Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. What's up, everybody? Episode 68, Nick and Matt Show. We're back after a week off because Thanksgiving happened. And Mm -hmm. that is a pretty great holiday. Nick, how did you celebrate Thanksgiving? (laughs) I enjoyed um, some time with Hannah's family and Paul. They all came over to their house. And so we were able to spend some time with them. And then I went to my girlfriend's house to go spend some time with her and her family. And then Black Friday, we all went out shopping and spent spent a bunch of money and all that. Okay. That sounds interesting. Uh, did you say girlfriend? I did. Okay. Mm, excuse me. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. Did we talk have, about uh, heard... that last week? Or I don't remember. We talked about wines or maybe that was on Facebook. I don't know. Yeah. 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 The one who I posted the wine picture with, we went out to a wine tasting festival and then she's quite the connoisseur when it comes to wine. So I've actually been enjoying it a ton lately. I've been having a ton of Caps Ave and it's actually been delicious. So. All right. Well, that sounds pretty cool. Um, yeah. You didn't make it back home. But you had a good time. Nope. And we got Evan oh. in studio. Statmando. Yeah. I'll be home for Christmas. How's it going, guys? Nick, that sounds like a song. I'll be home for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas. I'm sure there's probably 50 Christmas songs that at one point say, I'll be home for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so here's Evan. We, he said hi. But um, Evan, I didn't even talk to you about Thanksgiving at all, but we took a week off. What did yeah. you end up doing? Uh, I mean, I had a good Thanksgiving, uh, you know, had it at my girlfriend's family as well. And then did some stuff with my family and then with some friends. So uh, just pretty relaxed. Pretty relaxed. Well, I come from a family with, I, there's six of us kids underneath my parents. And I am the third oldest. And let me think here. One, my older brother has three kids. My older sister has seven kids. I have with my wife. Jessica has seven kids now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I have uh, wow. F- four kids, as I was mentioning, and um, my next youngest sister has now four kids. She literally had twins about a week before Thanksgiving. Um, plus, she had two other already. One that's under like two years old, and now she's got two twins. Anyways, long story short, there was like. 18, 19, 20 kids, like under age 12, under age 12 in the house for Thanksgiving. So it was pretty epic. I think there was 30 something in my parents' house and we play the annual fo- football game. Do, do either of you guys ever play football on Thanksgiving? Uh, I used to at the, uh, was it the Holden Christian Academy out in, or okay. excuse me. Yeah. Was it HCA or something like that? Yeah. We, we used to play flag football, a bunch of us, like the Nichols, me, the Cormiers would sometimes go out and, uh, but I haven't, I haven't done that in years. It's, it's a, it's a tradition that I've done since I was, I can remember Thanksgiving every year. So now we've got like full size rosters. We've got like 11 people on each side in a small backyard. Yeah. It's pretty epic. Uh, interceptions galore. We try, we used to do tackle and then it gets like, you ever have little kids, Nick? They love you, right? Evan, little I don't my, have little kids, but no, but little kids love you. <laughs> no, and Evan Evan yeah, yeah. walks in our house and my kids start chanting, Evan, Evan. <laughs> they like go they love crazy. Him. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess my point is if you've ever had little kids like trying to like tackle you, 
where they just get excited and they're all like piling on you. It doesn't matter. Like if you get like 10 kids on you, it's almost impossible to stay up. But the problem is like, you're going to fall on them and hurt them, but they don't like to get that. Mm -hmm. So during football, this is my long way of saying it. Like we've just decided like no tackling because like we're going to try to drag them and inevitably one of us is going to fall down and crush them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No doubt. But the turkey was good. I smoked the turkey and it's tasty. Um, Very nice. Why are we talking so long about Thanksgiving and an off week? Because, Nick, it's the off season. Exactly. This is more the relaxing (laughs) Nick and Matt show to where we're going to have some casual conversation about disc golf. We're going to talk about what's going on in each other's lives, and it's just going to be nice (laughs) and smooth. What's going on in your life? This is the new segment. What is going on? And uh, Evan's going to, like, give us therapy and counseling. Like, Yeah, I'll be the mediator. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. We can make it like a presidential debate. Yeah, the and, that one was what last year. <laughs> and for those who are watching live, you can uh, see our little studio setup. Nick, today I had to overhaul pretty much this whole corner studio. So what that involved was literally taking everything down, everything, which I texted you and I was like, dude, we'll see. Can we get it all back up? Yeah. Well, not only did I get it back up, but you can also see now there's a new computer here. That is for my full-time employer. That computer and monitor blow mine away, which maybe I'll upgrade at some point. But um, now on this desk where we produce the show, there's five displays on this desk. And then we've got two up on the wall. So we've got seven displays in here. Uh, Some say it's overkill. It is but I need it all. <laughs> so maybe it's not overkill. Needless to say, we are making millions off of this <laughs> podcast for you to be able to afford all of that. We are making millions off of it. So we appreciate everyone tuning in. Just kidding. Um, no, that's so sick though. Is that an alien, alienware laptop or um, alienware computer? It is. And display. I, say? I feel like I see the little alien on the back of it. So, yeah. So what I need that for mainly is, 3D rendering, like modeling, rendering, uh, literally trying to create virtual reality simulations. And I'm not a professional at that, but we dabble in creating model scenarios for our work. And VR is part of my job now to utilize it. That's how I should say it, to utilize and figure out how to utilize it. So we work with developers and all that. Um, Speaking of which... Evan, have you ever utilized, utilized, have you ever used virtual reality headset? And if so, which one? I, I have used, um, I think it's the PlayStation VR and that is super cool. Uh, my buddy has it and I played a few games on it and some are absolutely awesome. And some like immediately you're sick, uh, <laughs> but that's okay. Like n- not for everyone, but some are like super fun. Like, uh, what's the, oh man, it's not guitar here. It's the new one. Um, beat saber. I played that and although it's incredibly hard, like it's just like, I don't know the days of guitar hero when you're going like, it was just so much fun. And that's all you and your friends are playing like beat saber. It's a mate. Like that's so much better. And you just like are fully like immersed in it. And it's really cool. Exactly. So that's kind of what we're dabbling in at work, trying to get people to learn using virtual reality that we can re- reproduce scenarios that are potentially, well, our, our industry is pretty hazardous in general but like creating these scenarios to repeat and practice over and over in virtual land. But yes, Beat Saber. We've got 
I've got six of the Oculus Quest over here. We can oh play my before goodness. you go. Wow. <laughs> oh, geez. Maybe we should do like a live stream the, of Beat the Saber. The five monitors yeah. is an overkill. The six should... VR headsets you got back here. We should do that on Monday, next Monday, next week, because I'll be home in Massachusetts. We'll you just will? do a live stream of us playing that game. Yeah, we could we could pump in a little Beat Saber action for like, I don't know, just to see who can do best, I guess. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. see if, we'll see if Simon wants to come back over and uh, we'll play some darts again too. That could happen. He is getting right into Vlogmas, like mm -hmm. full blown Vlogmas starts. What's the date today? It is the 29th. It starts on Wednesday, so in two days Vlogmas starts for him. And then, I think he said it on our show last week. He is coming in studio here, but not Nick and Matt show. He's coming in here though. And he's producing, or I'm producing for him a show called Simon says, and he's got a lot of cool segments lined up, uh, live interaction, like audio live interaction with people outside of the studio. I think he said something about maybe calling pros that aren't expecting it and like mm. trying to get them to do something or say something without them knowing that they're trying to, you know what I mean? Like really fun interaction. Um, He's probably going to do answer question stuff and all that too, but like it's, it should be good time, but he's going to do that every Thursday through Vlogmas. Not this one. Don't, don't chime in here in three or four days, but then there'll be three right up until Christmas Eve. Well, we won't be Christmas Eve, whatever. Long story short, there'll be three on Thursday nights. Um, do you think Eagle and Simon and anyone else who does Vlogmas is burnt like by the end of the December? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like burnt out, burnt out of vlogging. <laughs> yeah, like they, yeah, they have to be. I mean, it, it's because with all the videos, like Simon actually had some incredible video ideas last year. I love the one where he was opening up presents that people sent. Um, I think you just almost run out of things to do. It, it almost like oversaturates the market because now it's like, okay, we've seen this video, but it's kind of the same old humor or. It's like this one is lacking compared to the last one. You slowly see a little decline, but I don't know. Simon's videos are so good. I, I enjoy watching all of Simon's stuff that he's he's the one person who I really would say if someone's going to do Vlogmas, I'm glad it's Simon. But I'll also be clear. is like I think they would both get burnt out, but before and after, they absolutely loved that they did and they found enjoyment out of it. It's just some of those, it's like, you're on day like, you know, 18. 18 yeah. yeah. And you're just like, oh gosh, like I have no ideas. My brain is fried, but I have to do something. And there's all this pressure. You got so many fans who are just loving all of it. And I'm sure that builds up a little bit, but, uh, I mean, Simon and Eagle, they both kill it. So, I mean, they obviously got that, uh, that vlog gene. Um, and I'm, I mean, at the end, they're going to be proud. They did. Yeah. And there's no doubt about it. And no one likes to talk about this, but they make money off of this. The more videos you do, assuming they're getting decent viewership, you're making good money off of it. So it's kind of like, mm -hmm. I'm doing this because like, I want to do this for my brand. I want to do this. People have content and I know I'm making money off of it. Like all these things are great. Um, but yeah, Simon, I think it was two or three weeks ago, which is a little bit surprising actually for Simon, in my opinion, Simon, we love you. Oh, there he is. Yeah, he, he actually wrote in the chat. He said 24 videos written down and ready to go. Ooh. Simon, I'll be home in two days. So if you need some help with one, I'd love to be a part of it. Yeah. So sorry with the camera angles there, guys. I just kept mine up because that's how prideful I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, 
I was just going to say, and I was going to say, Simon, I love you because it was, I was surprised. And this is why I said, Simon, I love you <laughs> three weeks ago or maybe more. Simon's like, Hey, I'm thinking down, jotting down all my vlogmas ideas. Like I've come up with X amount. Like I need to get a few more. And I'm just like, wow, way to be on top of it. So we've got some planned out Simon. There might be one if, if you're still doing this where it involves me, maybe, maybe it involves Maple Hill. We got a really cool idea. I'm not going to spoil it. Um, also shout out, we're just kind of rambling, but that's okay. This is what we're doing tonight a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. shout out to Simon and the disc golf network, uh, series. If he wants to comment, if it went live where I could just pull it up on the internet, does anybody know, did it go live? Oh, I was going to say, did it go live today? today? I didn't see it. <laughs> it's coming up. It has to be coming up right around the corner. So he kind of, we've been off for a week, but he kind of promoted it. Um, the week he was here in studio, like, or I kind of butchered it, but, <laughs> um, yeah. So scratch to scratch ended. And so they're going to obviously disc golf network smartly. So is trying to have back to back to back. And if they stacked it, what do you think? I thought through this the other day, if they stacked all this content, they don't get the same value return. Do they like, you know what I mean? What do you mean? Like, like if, if they drop did, all if they, the yeah. eight episodes, if they drop well, it all, I mean, no, no, I mean, Netflix... like, I mean, like, if they did Simon's at the same time as, let's say, Scratch to Scratch, and they aired at the same times, like, meaning available on the network. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At the end of it, people are just done, but Disc Golf Network can stretch it out. That's my point to where it's like, oh, Scratch to Scratch is done. Now, you know, finding the lines yeah. with Simon and Avery can start, and they, they're trying to get people over until when? February? January? I would assume. Yeah, February, <laughs> like, January. Around, you know, whenever you February mostly for Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they still have the live watch or live rewatch Wednesdays. Uh, I believe those are every Wednesday or most Wednesdays uh, mm -hmm. for the rest of the year until next season. I don't know exactly know the dates of them. They got plenty of those lined up. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm also kind of the person where when I when I watch things, I really like just to binge it. I like to watch like three or four episodes in a row. I, did, I watched like yeah. the first couple episodes of Scratch Scratch and then like didn't watch it for a couple weeks. Like, just forgot about it. And then I, I like got back on it recently and watched like three episodes in a row. And it was great. It was just bam, bam, bam. And I don't know, that's just kind of the viewer I am. Agreed. Yeah, no, I like that. I, I do like being able to take a lot of time and binge stuff for a while rather than I hate. I think it's because we're spoiled now with ne the way Netflix and Hulu have put out stuff. Or I think ne Netflix mostly of where when they drop a season of something like The Witcher 2 is coming out in December. And I'm literally going to watch all however many episodes in one day. I'm going to straight up binge it and not do anything that day besides watch The Witcher. <laughs> I get so frustrated now when a show comes out and it's like, oh, I got to wait till next Tuesday night to watch the next episode or I got to wait till next. Like, I don't know. I'm spoiled now. Netflix has destroyed me. So binging is really cool um, when you have like vacation week. I took the whole week off. And so like doing that makes me extra tired the following days because I'm not used to that. But it's like it's so nice to sit there right and just like watch cool stuff now this oh, is absolutely. interesting nick i'm gonna say a name and you've probably already seen it and i'm wondering i think evan probably knows this character you guys know christopher colette chris colette yeah did you happen to see a social media post <laughs> yeah i was just talking to um my girlfriend and her family we were at a brunch yesterday and i said you're not gonna believe like this you know, guy that I know from Massachusetts, and I'll, I'll let you since okay. you brought it up. I'll let you explain the story. Evan, do you know Chris Collette? Like, I've heard the cow. name. Okay, I don't follow him on any social media, so I have no clue uh, okay. what's happening. He's local. In fact, he was the president 
of NIFA, the New England Flying Disc Association, which is one of the largest clubs in the country. It's the Northeast, pretty much. Well, New England. <laughs> but yeah, and he did that for a while. He ran Hawk's Nest, which was a, oh, yeah, that's which right was a pro shop mm -hmm. at the time. He yep. sold it. Um, long story short, if you know the... if. None of us are going to raise our hand and say we know. But the reality show, Married at First Sight, okay, which is literally people that signed up said there's these dating experts or matchmaking experts. Like, if you find me a match, like someone who I'm compatible with, you think I could marry and we could do well, like I will marry them on stage the first time I meet them. Like literally, hello, I don't even know your name, and I'm saying I do. And they do a full-blown wedding, like dresses, talks, the whole thing. Christopher Collette, and I hope he doesn't mind I'm saying his name on here out loud. He's going to get bombarded, but he's already like in TMZ and everything. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, he did that. He just announced like last week. He's like, surprise, everybody. I just got married. Um, epic news. So anyways, that's going to be um, airing like the last day of December, the first week of January, if you look for Christopher Collette, seriously, this is disc golf news. Like he's a disc golfer, like big time disc golfer, as far as like activeness um, mm -hmm. on this show. And every, all these guys can now tell your significant other, uh, others, hey, let's watch Married at First Sight. Yeah. It's a win-win. Yeah. It's a win-win. So Nick, yeah, were you blown away? I'm going to try to, yeah, I'm going to try to check it out because it's funny because I know he's into realty now. He, uh, his realty company actually sponsors the putting league that you guys have out in Massachusetts. And so I still consistently see him post whatever, but I ain't noticed that he hadn't posted for a while. And so all of a sudden I see this thing and it's him in a suit and a girl in a wedding dress. And I was just kind of like, <laughs> I didn't even know he was dating someone, but at the same time, it's not my business to know all that kind of stuff. And then, so now I'm reading the post and he said, Hey, sorry, I've been off social media for a while, but guess what? I got married to a stranger. And I'm like, excuse me, what? And now I'm thinking, okay, they just met and love at first sight. They went ahead and just did it. And then I saw that he's actually going to be on that show married at first sight, which I've heard of. I've never watched an episode, but that'll yeah, change. Actually. I never watched an episode. Yeah. <laughs> I have, you know, it's your I, favorite series. Yeah, Don't lie. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've, I've binged every 13 seasons of it. No, so. I'm actually, I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out though. I, I don't know if I watch every single episode, but I want to check it out just to say like, Holy cow, I know that guy. That's what awesome. I will tell you, and I'm raising my hand. I have watched a full season of that years ago. And it was I watched it with my wife. I was like blown away by the fact that like how that went down, all the awkwardness of like after you're married and then having like a ceremony and like a first dance with like someone you don't know and like literally just all the crazy things that are involved with that, like your first night together, like honeymoon, the whole thing. It's like crazy. Yeah. Like you just, just meet him. And you're like, Hey wifey or whatever. So like he did that. It's going to be crazy to watch him like in this episode of this TV, the series. Um, but mm -hmm. I did watch it. It's pretty interesting. I imagine it's going to be with him. We're going to find out things about him that we didn't know before. <laughs> yeah. It's going to yeah, be yeah. great. So that was in that news. Let's um take a minute here real quick to get into our, our thanks for those who are supporting us and disc golf. Um, brace yourself. <clears throat> winter is coming, but before we get into the winter one, I should have had up the, the nice Thanksgiving one. This is my bad. We're going to talk about winter. Manscaped is great for winter, but it's also great for this Thanksgiving. We took the week off. Go over to manscaped.com. If you're watching live right now, you're going to get an additional 5% 
off of their great products because you get 20% usually with Nick and Matt code on this Cyber Monday until midnight, wherever you are in the time zones, I'm assuming. You get 25% off. You don't even have to use our code. It's already automatically applied. If you missed it, use our code, Nick and Matt. Go check it out. Lawnmower 4.0. Um, you get brownie points with the in-laws when you're trimmed up. Gift yourself Manscaped. Or for the man in your life who needs it, join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped 20% off again, unless you go before midnight on Monday. What's the date today? The 29th. <laughs> if you get in the next four hours, you'll get an extra 5%. Um, Nick, you, <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, Nick, it reduces the risk of ingrown hairs. Nick, nicking, you know, get it, Nick? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's horrible. Waterproof <laughs> trimmers. Uh, you, they have products to reduce foot odors. Um, as I said, reduce the risk of ingrown hairs. Reduce, reduce the risk of grooming accidents. Nick, you were telling me right before the show about a certain product that you thought was fantastic. Go ahead. Yeah. So two weeks ago, I think you had actually opened up the little care package that Manscaped sent you. I got mine, I think a day later. And every single time I take a shower, I absolutely love the smell of the body wash. It smells exactly like the cologne, which I really, really like. So if I'm going to recommend two great gifts to get someone for the holiday season, get the body wash, get the cologne. And then if you really, really want to get the performance package, all their stuff is incredible, but I really do love the body wash. And it comes in this really cool metal cylinder, like yeah. container. People were saying in our chat last week, like, holy cow, metal, I hope you use that more than once. L- long story short, that's up to you to decide, but I will tell you, I like and appreciate the metal. I feel like I would reuse this. It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll take it out back and shoot it up, you know? I don't know. Exactly. Okay. Now, now YouTube's reporting me. Uh, Evan, <laughs> Evan, I'm going to hand this over to you. It's, un- it's uncapped, okay? Right. Take that. I don't know if you smelled it yet, but get one of those. Tell me what you think about that. First reaction. See, this is this is this this is actually a COVID test because if you said I can't smell it, then you'd have to get out of the studio ASAP. But okay. yeah, no, no, no. It it smells good. Like you know when you walk into like uh, I don't want to say men's warehouse, but like but like a suit store. This is what you expect it to smell like. You know, just like well kept, professional like good smelling uh yeah i mean i think it's good it's above my grade nick nick uh evan gets a cut of the ad read tonight thanks evan we're gonna yeah you're welcome thank you evan <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah what's the code nick and matt for uh and evan. nick and matt <laughs> no. yeah. he, he no, sneaks no. in the evan code <laughs> nick and matt and evan won't work on uh manscaped zero percent as, as much as you want it to it's just nick and matt zero yeah zero percent off um well, hey, tonight it's twenty five percent off. So, well, for the next saying. yeah, four and a half hours on yep. Monday. Okay, so we appreciate the support. Uh, they're supporting us, which is awesome. Nick and I actually get monetary value. We appreciate your support. It helps them know that this is worth it, and they're supporting disc golf multiple. I've seen I've seen them in other shows. Our, our show over there, uh, uh, Grip Lock. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's get back to rambling on (laughs) let's talk a little bit about um so it's pretty common this time of the year to to see sponsorship announcements and movement there's still rumblings out there that bigger moves are coming and that it's going to happen all the way through january even 
okay, like through January, right up until maybe the start of the season. The Disc Golf Pro Tour actually, like, and it's not like a secret that's being released, but they said, hey, we're not, and this is another topic, we're not going to release our Disc Golf Pro Tour trading cards, like, until then, because we want to make sure things are finalized for this year. So, talking sponsorships, Nick, who are some of the names you've seen that have already started switching up? We've talked about Gavin Rathbun switching up from Discmania and heading over to Dynamic Discs. And I guess one other, you know, massive name now, Matty Orum, is leaving Prodigy Discs and going to Westside Discs, which honestly, that came from left field for me. I did not expect that at all. I actually thought with the year that Matt had, because he, he did have actually a very good year, um, with the year he had, I definitely thought him and Prodigy were going to work out a deal to where, you know, it's an increase in pay. He can get out into the road more often with more consistency. And then all of a sudden I see Prodigy posting saying, hey, sorry, or, you know, best of luck to Matty O, Roll Tide. And then I'm like, okay, he left. I wonder who's going to pick him up. And then I see Westside announced, they're like, hey, this isn't the way we originally wanted to announce this, but congratulations, Matty O is on our team now, yada, yada, yada. And so I'm kind of just like, wow, that, that came out of nowhere for me. What happened? What happened? Because I read that and I was trying to figure it out. Like, yeah. what happened? Like, in all seriousness, I didn't reach out because we're not journalists here. Some people mm-hmm. might wish that we wouldn't speculate. But like, how does Prodigy do that? I'm not here to rail on them or bash on them, but yeah. like, how do you do is that? It, is it pettiness? Is it bitterness? Is it literally we just accidentally did that? Yes, you that's know? what I want to know. Kind of, yeah, exactly. It wasn't know. an we'll accident. Out to their people. No. Yeah, but if it was an accident, don't you feel like almost immediately they would have said, our bad. Like, we, we I mean, knew this was happening. Like, we didn't want to spoil this for anybody. Like, it's... yeah. I mean, technically, they don't have to feel bad about anything. Their player left. They're wishing him luck. I mean, in the contract, he didn't say, oh, yeah, by the way, when I leave the company, I'm the one who gets to decide when we talk about it. I mean, probably then just why said, did he hey, tell them? Like, why did he tell them then? He, I mean, that's true. Maybe he told them too soon. Maybe he yeah. should have waited. It's like, I don't know if you've ever switched employers. I have once or twice. And you literally wait until you have your other. Well, he had it lined up, but I guess you maybe you don't. Yeah, give him a two week notice. Evan, where are you at on this? I I think we're I mean, we're obviously seeing the evolution of disc golf contracts. Uh, but yeah, you, you mentioned employer. Like if I was if I was to quit my job, uh I would notify them within, you know, two or three weeks of me leaving. If I was leaving at the end of the year and I had a job lined up for January first, you know, I'm not gonna tell them now because they might be like, Oh, see ya, we're gonna pay you for, you know, your two more weeks or whatever vacation time, all that. But then there's like two weeks of you're technically unemployed. Like you're supposed to, I mean, supposed to you as a person wait for the longest time, but sports contracts are different. There's a lot of pre-planning, but disc golf's kind of in a weird scenario where our schedule goes until pretty much the end of October, November and December are really the off season, but contracts are done on a calendar year. So all these players are still under contract until December 31st. Like Matt Orem is still with prodigy currently right now. If he went and played a tournament, he'd be using prodigy discs. He should be wearing a prodigy. Would he be using prodigy? (laughs) Uh, But that's what he's supposed to do based on his contract. So 
there's kind of two ways you think about it is one where you see it's just gonna be normal to kind of pre-plan these contracts kind of two months ahead of time or two you might see contracts to be to the end of the season when that pro tour championship happens or if there's another set date that is when the contracts too so like matt oren for instance let's say he signed a two-year deal with west side okay so he's got 2022 with west side he's got 2023 with west side but that contract ends on the day after the pro tour championship let's say like that's what i think would make the most sense because you know what's on the schedule for next season some silver series events for the 2023 season in november and december so that's really the next season yeah but it's not the next calendar year so it's kind of it's that weird kind of we don't know where we're at yet uh you know your calendar season mlb is a calendar season but NBA is an, uh, it's 2021 to 2022 season. So what is the etiquette? Because I was thinking through how it usually goes. The etiquette is usually the player notifies or probably lines up. Okay. Lines up their new sponsorship, like lines it up. Like it's official. Okay. We've, whether you signed it or not, it's official. And then you go and you say to your current, like, Hey, I'm done. Please don't tell anybody. And I don't know if that part happened. But please don't tell anybody until we announce it over here. If that didn't happen and it was just like, hey, I'm going to West Side. Thanks, Prodigy. Well, then, yeah, no one's at fault. I feel like maybe it's just normal etiquette, but no one's at fault there. But but that's the difference between regular work job. You don't have an announcement coming from your current, like your new employer. Like, da, 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 da. Evan Kearns le- leaving his current employer. And they're like, what? The? <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah, yeah. that's not normal. So, um, Nick, you yeah, mentioned I th- Matty I think you look at it. I think you can look at it either way a bit, potentially being out of pettiness or just literally, hey, we want to wish him the best of luck. You do you. And because you, you know that, especially in a contract year, pretty much honestly, from mid-season towards the end of the season they're talking every single week on what their contract is going to be for the next year and so they're trying to reach an agreement for more than you know oh that was my last tournament okay now let's talk they've been talking about it probably potentially even the whole year figuring out what's going on so i think for matteo i mean i just hope it's a way to get him out on the road more often that's a whole nother conversation is what was he being compensated and was it enough? Is it what made him leave? Is that what made well, him leave? Did you hear his quote? Uh, he was a uh, Corey Merle. I pronounced his name right. I'm always, I don't know why sure. I'm worried Moral. about pronouncing. Uh, yeah. Moral. But Moral. on his, on his YouTube channel, he was interviewing Matty Orem and uh, he said, it feels like it's his first real job. Uh, and it, you know, you could say prodigy might've been pettiness with saying, sharing it early, but you know, Matt Orem might have some pettiness back. You know, I don't really know. Uh, but he, he mentioned next season that, you know, I think he's planning more on, he's just going to have a van and drive around and not sleep in it, but do, you know, Airbnb stay with friends that he meets or hotel. He's not going to be living out of his van. Um, and I think he's planning on going to all the pro tour events except for OTB open. How is this going to change up West side discs? There is no joke about Matteo. In fact, Hot take? Is it a hot take? He's a top five disc golfer in the world, and if he's, like, fully committed with a good sponsor backing, like, better than what he had, is he a top five player? He showed up this year at a lot of events. MVP, lead card, final round. Um, What was... He won 
the Stafford Open. Stafford Open. He, I'm mm-hmm. trying to, I'm thinking, blanking all the names. Preserve. Mm-hmm. He was doing really well. Lead cards. Like he, when he showed up, um, Texas State. When he showed up at events, like I, everyone's like, "Who is this?" Like, because a lot of people didn't know who he was because that's how he he's been always in the. I don't know, not playing that many PDGA events. But when he does, I think he's excellent, incredible. If if he has a solid backing, I guess guess that's what I'm saying. If he starts placing top three, four, five at events regularly, does this actually change Westside? And how do players and sponsorships actually change a company? Paul McBeth, easy example, right? Easy example. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Discraft explodes. So players are important. Is Westside doing something here? Like they're like, well, yes, they're so happy. <laughs> I mean, Nico's currently with Westside and he won more Pro Tour events than Matt Orem did this year. Uh, <laughs> one. One to nothing. And uh, yeah, not to not to get a feud on who's better. Nico's obviously fantastic. I would probably put Matt Orem higher, but I think they're both kind of that same kind of grouping. <sighs> but yeah. I mean, Nico. No, he, if you look at the average, come on, Statman, though. <laughs> there's got to be a way to no, look at the averages of their finishes. Yeah, I, I'm pretty positive Matt Orem well, I mean, uh, was better. You can literally okay. do the head to head on Statman.com. <laughs> you can literally do Yeah, it. we could do the Stat 2021 season yeah. and uh, check that out. Yeah. But I, I'll i say I don't think Matt Orm's a top five. I think it's hard to put uh, Chris Dickerson and Calvin Heinberg outside the top five. And no oh. way is he better than Eagle, Ricky, and uh, Paul. <sighs> I'm into my off-season hot takes again. Is Calvin Heinberg a top five player? Last year, the beginning of this season, we were like, I'm like, he's not even going to win. And in fact, I still think it's like an asterisk. The Ledgestone was like a joint champion deal. Okay, some people will say, oh, but then they played off for it at another. Okay, no, I'm just saying that's an asterisk. And then he yeah, won, yeah, yeah. he won a silver series. But I still call that kind of an asterisk to my hot take because it was a silver series. Like there was good competition. So I would actually, if I was paying up on a bet, I would do, I would pay up. So I would say officially I lost that hot take, mm-hmm. but it's like, man, it's like, that wasn't like a solid win. That's like barely. So I guess my point is, is he, where does Udisc have them ranked right now? If I was to look them up. Um, well, well, while you're looking yeah. it up on Udisc, I actually looked up their head to head on statmando.com. Nice. Look up the MPO side of it, type in their names, two for the 2021 season. And here we have Matt Orem beat Nicola Castro nine times. Nico beat Matt three times. Nico does have one win, though. That was at Waco. Matteo does have one second place finish at the events. Uh, neither of them had any third place finishes, but Matty Orem was in the top 10 66.67% of the times at the events that he played. Nico was only in the top 10. 25% of the time. So I think when it comes to the consistency, Matteo, I, I do put Matty Orm as a better player than Nico. Um, it is pretty sweet though, to actually see the stats and really see exactly how they compare to throughout the year. And if you actually go on Matty Orm's or Matthew Orm, that's what he goes by on PDGA. But if you go by Matty O's PDGA page, he has, let's see, one, two, three, four, 11 11 or 12 wins just this year and a lot of them coming from the alabama area he did win the lone star classic um, which was a big big event this year i think it was the largest b tier that was played this year so a lot of a lot of consistency with matt orm and so i think him going to west side i think it's gonna be huge for their company he's one of those people who kind of it's a funny way to say it, but he kind of has a cult following. Just a yeah. lot of people are Matteo fans. Tide. So yeah, exactly. He's so, got a fun personality. We've had him on the show before. Check it out. 
All right. So I, I quickly, and actually this is how poor it is. I didn't quickly pull up UDisc Live. I went to UDisc.com. Then I'm like, I got a UDisc Live. Long story short, um, UDisc world rankings. I wasn't far off. And so it's not really a hot take. It's a good take, I feel. Or it's a take that could be argued. World rankings puts Matt Matteo at eighth. Eighth. And that is behind Hamas, Klein, and Heimberg, meaning if I was to get him to the fifth. And I think I would have a hard time. I would have a hard time getting him in front of Kyle or Heimberg. I would debate with the Hamas thing. And I'm not saying that Hamas, I actually was texting him earlier. Like, I'm not saying Hamas is worse than Matteo. I think that's why they're eight and seven. But Hamas moved down one in the last ranking or moved up one. It's that trend, that direction. Long story mm-hmm. short, I think it would be interesting to see. That's my point. Is Calvin moving up or down? According to world rankings, he's moving down. He moved down one at the last update. But that's all for speculation. That's fun talk. That's what we do. Nick, you brought up Matty O. Did you mention Eric Oakley? I haven't yet. I actually want to mention someone else before Eric Oakley. Go ahead. So I know Matt Matt left DGA, right? That got announced. Okay. Matt and then Dollar. Eric Matt Bell. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Hey, oh, Matt, sorry. On Matt Bell. MVP. Matt, Matt Bell. Bell. That's a conversation that we were having right before we got on. Um, share your thoughts on that, Evan, because you had some good thoughts. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting where Matt Bell goes. I mean, he's known as, you know, one of the best putters, maybe the best putter on tour. Um, and I mean, the trend's kind of going to mixed bagged. Um, I just, I think there's a potential with that. Yeah. Um, so Nick, do you want to go back and talk about Eric Oakley now? Yeah. So Eric Oakley leaving, uh, excuse me, dynamic discs, which was his main sponsor that he's had for what the past four years. Um, they put his name on a felon. It could be longer than that actually, but, he left to go to infinite, which I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago saying that more players are going to start going to those open bag, uh, sponsorships. And Eric was definitely the biggest signing for infinite so far this year, which I think is pretty Whoa. awesome. Oh, re-signing, yeah. re-signing with Gibson. Okay. <clears throat> so meaning Gibson, I think would be bigger, but that's kind of, that's a re-signing. It's not like a big announcement of someone leaving a sponsor. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, well, I think the, Biggest thing about Eric's was how much he has promoted dynamic discs, how much promotion they put into him. He's made a lot of, you know, really big strides with dynamic discs. And so, I mean, I'm always curious what the insider information is on that. And, Mm. you know, was he making, uh, was he, is he making, um, a financially better decision right now? Or is it a long-term decision? Any takes on that? Like what you think? One more time. What'd you say? Okay. And Evan kind of was like uh, almost responding. So I'll let him go and you can think about it. It's the idea of like, is he making a better financial decision for the immediacy? Like right now it's financially better for him to go to infinite or is it a long-term decision? So was he making more with dynamic than he is with infinite or is it a long-term like, what's your opinion? Yeah. I I don't know if he's making more or not. I think it's a a good move for him. Uh, Maybe going to mixed bag, you know, he, he already has like a lot of non DD and not that he was like dying to get away from DD, but it's, you know, maybe he wanted to get some other discs, help his game out, which struggled a little bit this year and kind of be more uh, relaxed. I think with it as well, uh, which can kind of just open him up for just playing this year. We, we know it's the archer, not the arrow as far as players and discs on the uh, professional level. But I think he was a guy that just felt a lot of pressure this year. You know, he didn't have a ton of good finishes, 
uh, now he can just he can just play how he wants um you know infinite sells everything so he can throw anything that infinite sells right um but i guess and and you touched on it but nick what do you think was eric oakley making more money with dynamic than he is with infinite right away like right away like he takes a loss but he's like dude this is a long-term investment like what do you think i think i think that's potentially and this is just my own personal opinion of it i think he's potentially he might take a little bit of a hit this year depending on how much infinite really wants to push eric's brand i think he might be taking a little bit of a hit but i think longevity wise i think this is a step in the right direction for him and i think as evan was just saying um with going to a mixed bag you don't have that manufacturer sponsor that is so down your throat of like you know hey we're having you represent our company you're one of our top guys we need you to start being more successful it's i feel like it takes off a lot of stress that players are dealing with just being sponsored by a single manufacturer i think also if there's turmoil within you and that manufacturer it's just a good spot to you know what let's just cut ties now i'm not doing things the way i should be doing them or you guys aren't helping me out the way you should be helping me out and so making a move to a smaller company but one where you have more freedom to throw really what you do want to throw because not every company is perfect you know not every company has the perfect discs and so him being able to pick and choose from companies i think is for some players it's a great idea not it's not for all players i think the biggest thing you know it's the archer not the arrow i definitely think that the arrows make a difference and so having the freedom to choose which best arrows are out there in the world then you know good on him yeah there is more to come on the sponsorship discussion I'm sure of it. Um, I think, and maybe uh, this isn't a hot take, there's going to be a big announcement. There is every single year. It could happen where it's quiet, but in some ways, and it kind of seems a little negative, in some ways, players are looking for that opportunity to capitalize on marketing and be like, well, if no one else is going to do it, like I'm going to go do it and like be able to sell that. I don't think that's fully it. But like the point is like this is an opportunity. They strategically place it out when the announcement happens to get the best bang for the buck, um, which I think it was strategic of Drew Gibson to do it right away. The first one. Right. And it gets a lot of mm-hmm. talk about it. But the funny thing is, this is why you roll the dice you go all the way up till right about the season start and you change and it's going to be a topic running right into the, like the first tournament. Like let's see how this plays out. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to forget about drew unless he performs really well. Then they'll keep the discussion. Keep going. Is drew better than Matty? Mm-hmm. no. Okay. Evan says that's, no. that's not a harsh though. Like to be rude. I just, I think Matty is in that seven to eight range and Drew's maybe 10th at, best maybe there you go i think he's like mm-hmm. the 10 well, he yeah, studies. i know you just has him as 10 yeah. you just pulled it up just to be clear <laughs> i think no you study you drew guys. bumped up you can see he bumped up seven places to 10th uh and i think that was about right for these his incredible end of the year finish uh as of right now i think 10th's a good spot he could definitely move up though and i'm stealing these topics from my other show disc golf pro talk on the disc golf network so i should be clear like we're just I, you should go over there and check it out if you like this kind of talk, um, cause my brother's pretty elaborate on it too, but here's a question for you, Nick, I'm throwing you out there to the wolves to answer this question, but you answer how you want. Is Nate Sexton rated too high in the world rankings? 
What's right. funny is I was literally just about to ask you guys, is oh, Matty Orr better I got it than out Nate first. Sexton? <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny. I was literally just thinking that in my head, too. Um, I think it's tough to put Nate anywhere in the world rankings right now because he didn't play too, too many events this year. Nate, though, is one of the most consistent players on tour, consistently finishing you know, in the top 10, maybe just outside of it, consistently cashing at every single event, consistently playing well at every single event. So it's kind of tough to... You know, he doesn't have a ton of big wins, but he does have a USDGC win. He has a Ledgestone win. He's got multiple big wins. But at the same time, we didn't really get to see him play that much this year. We did get to see Matt Oren play. We did get to see Drew Gibson play pretty much throughout the whole year. So is Nate Sexton a top 10 player in the world? I absolutely think so. I think it's kind of hard to put a ranking on him right now because he didn't play nearly as many of events as any of the other pros did. Uh, touring professionals. I, people will be amazed. I'm not going to elaborate because I think I echo everything you said. And I, there, I got to hold to it. What do you think of? I, I'm a firm believer that having different kinds of calculations for how you perceive rankings is amazing. Uh, so how UDIS does it, where they do their dominance index and they, um, I, struggling to even describe how like it's just kind of they modeled the chess rankings um we have an how, episode with them yeah where exactly they talk about it. it's a little much we'll, we'll, we'll let them no no yeah. we'll let them uh you can go back and listen to that to hear how it exactly is i when i that's making rankings for stat mando i really like doing it more on just purely finishes um and points based on that uh kind of like how you see in golf rankings and so because of that nate sexton would not finish nearly as high as he is he would I mean, kind of closer to the pro tour rankings where he finished like 45th or something just because he didn't play a lot. Uh, that's how I see rankings. Um, but I think it's fantastic that you just does it this way and shows that if he was still playing, we kind of would expect him to be around ninth, which I think is about accurate. Um, I was going to say, why is why it's a weird question to ask. Why is he so good? Because that's like, what do you mean? Like, why is he so good? Like, why is he there? And the answer is every and Nate, if you're listening, dude. We missed your podcast. I'm sure we'll be back someday. Um, but like when he plays, come on, worlds. Like he was in contention, like going into the last mm -hmm. nine holes or six holes. Like he could have mm -hmm. won technically coming in the last three holes. He could have. Incredible. Like he plays disc golf so well when he's just being himself, consistent play. But is he going to this has been the conversation with Nate Sexton for a long time? Is he going to just kind of start to drift off because these other like just aggressive players who are able Tiger Woods style just murder the course like he can't keep up with that unless they're not having their on game anyways yeah but I think that's also that's kind of been the Nate Sexton that we've known at least that I've known the last five years consistent, to where yeah. he just is stupidly consistent every single event he you know like the majors this year he got third place at Worlds and I think it said fifth place at USCGC so, I mean, when he goes out to events, he usually does pretty well. The preserve, he didn't do great this year. He got 42nd at. Most of the events, though, I mean, now that I look at his schedule, it wasn't that great. Like Portland Open, that was played on a golf course, um, which we know is not Sexton-style golf. And then same thing with the preserve, pretty open, more of a bomber course, definitely not his style either. And dynamic discs, those were his three worst finishes this year, 37, 37th, and 42nd. Uh, but when you go into the woods or put him on courses that he generally does a little bit better at, 
he played more consistent. So what about the Las Vegas courses? Those are on golf. Courses Las Vegas. I mean, it. he got 17th at golf. Uh, so he got 17th at not Vegas. I will say this though. The infinite course being a golf course is not a long one. That's actually more of a birdie or die course. And then the end of a factory store course is same thing. The, the end of a factory store and the end of a course are more like the longer par threes, but the infinite course is one of the shorter ones. It's definitely the shortest golf course I've played at a big event. So I don't like Vegas. Yeah, it's on golf courses, but at the same time, it's not stupidly long, like OTB open, which he actually did play well at OTB open, but Portland open was a long course. OTB, a long course, the preserve, um, courses like that. I definitely, I don't consider that Sexton golf. Well, to keep it up on Sexton, uh, he has the longest active major and elite series cash streak at 103 straight events. Has a uh, kale Wild. by three events. Kale LaVisca is at 100 straight. It was mind blowing. That's so good. So who who <laughs> who breaks? Like who who misses cash first? <laughs> well, I mean that's the whole question. I mean, yeah. uh, if you go if you go to all events, I'm I'm blanking on who's. One one of those two, their streak is longer uh, by dates, as in one um, started the cash streak first, but then the other has more continuous events in a row uh, for all mm-hmm. events, not just elite series and majors. I'm blanking mm-hmm. on which one's which. They both kind of are I feel the like, same style where I feel they like don't Kale, play all events. I feel like Kale has more in a row, only in the sense of he plays more events. Is that am yeah, I that, wrong to say? Yeah, like that could be true. So like Nate's first cash in this streak was a couple months before kales but then kales mm-hmm. played more events that might be it yeah i'm pretty sure that's probably the way they, so so they, they it share it depending on how you look at it yeah that makes sense so is this continuing the conversation too long or should we go here you guys tell me no that, that, where, that where does it there okay i was gonna say where does he rank behind like how far down would you put him if i read out a name for fun drew gibson and i guess this is like not putting everything up. It's just the feel. It's just the eye test feel test. Like we're not going into numbers. It's just like generally how you feel. You ask me, I say Drew Gibson is going to play better on average. If he, if he plays the way he did, if he yeah. plays the way he did in the last half of the season. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew, I, still put, I still put Sexton above him. Okay. I put him above Andrew Marweed, myself, uh, and myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. um, I put him above. Do you put him above Kevin Jones? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Joel Freeman. Yes. Mason Ford. Yes. Mm-hmm. Kale LaVisca. Head to head. Every time. I don't know. Just, just about. I mean, okay. obviously James Conrad played great at Waco, but yeah, I, I put him, um, I, I put him ahead against everyone that's below him. But it's yeah. not to say that any none of those guys could have a better season because, I mean, there's just so much talent in this kind of eighth or ninth to like 25th to 30th range that it's crazy. These guys yeah. could be like like Ezra Aderhold right there sitting at 33. He could easily beat Nate at like 30, 40, 50 percent of events right. that they both play. Seppu, Seppu, Seppu. Greg Barsby, Paul Ulibarri, like all of those in 35, 36, 37. Like, I feel like they should win, not every time, but they can too. So, like, you're right. I think what we're seeing is the spread of just a lot of very good players. And it's just kind of right. who's getting hot at the right time and, and staying, staying up with the rest of the field. 
Emerson Keith, 41. Mm -hmm. Like, he's been playing pretty good for himself the last couple of years. So. Mm -hmm. Just a little inconsistent. The biggest thing we talk about, sex and consistency. Right. He's usually in conversations. Right. Uh, when it comes to events. For sure, whether it's sure. just a top 10 finish or even a top five finish here and there. I mean, years ago, it was like, I felt like I saw Sexton on every single lead card. And then, you know, what do you know? He he got fourth place once again. He got third place once again. And then he also does commentary on the side. So, yeah, he's just consistently good. I'd, I'd keep him in my top 10. Like Evan was saying, I wouldn't put anyone that's below him, above him. Are those players players that could beat him at an event? Absolutely. And there's a lot of those players that have beaten him at events. But... He's just more consistent. He plays smart golf. So I don't know if this is the right place to do it or not, but since we're just, you know, trying to leak as many sponsor announcements as we can, like I am going to just go out on a limb and I haven't heard anything beyond what my own little investigations are on social media, which is public. Gannon Burr, is that, is that public? Has that been announced? Like, cause he seems to be pretty out there with his own, like, social media comments and selling all of his prodigy discs. Um, and then people saying like, Hey, are you leaving? And he does like the, the look emoji, you know, like the big eyes, like look be on the lookout kind of thing. And it's mm -hmm. like, he's all but confirming it that he's going to be leaving. That's my speculation. Again, there's no insider information here that anybody else couldn't see themselves. That would be another prodigy departure. Um, and there was rumblings in our chat about maybe there's a lot of drama going on there because something about Kevin Jones contract being leaked or something like that. So yeah. there's some stuff I, I want I to look into. Yeah. I don't, I don't follow Gannon on any of the social media, so I actually haven't seen any of that going on, but okay. Yeah. You just gotta kind of be, you gotta have your eyes open to everything and just, you know, you kind of put the puzzle pieces together and, you but know, does it, it matter? Happens, it happens at that point. Does it really matter, Nick, if we know first? I mean, really? Do, do no, like ever, I know eventually first. everyone. Yeah, eventually everyone knows. <laughs> but we have to break it on the Nick and Matt show. Oh yeah, I get yeah yeah yeah. yeah I'm just yeah. kidding. Does it matter? I don't know. I think Gannon would be a fantastic uh, uh, where would he acquisition go? for anyone. Uh, he he was Statmando's Rookie of the Year for Disc Golf Pro Tour, uh, and he just came alive on the um championship i mean he just i don't think he got to the finals we got to the semifinals just playing super well so mm -hmm. where he goes part of me wants to say trilogy just because they've they've just feel like they've been going after everyone but maybe they've gotten what they're where would he going go? to get if that makes sense they, innova discraft is he gonna go to a big two like one of those guys i'll say is he gonna be another infinite sponsor player and where's did Cole Red Redolin announce yet? No, I haven't heard anything about because he's he's leaving Discraft. Mm -hmm. I thought that was funny, Nick, because it was like a week later they announced like, dude, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I remember hearing about that, and I was like, dang, I thought everything was good with Discraft and him, but you know, some relationships just don't work out. But it was kind of funny because I put him on the spot, and then I, when I was doing yeah. that in the interview, I'm like, you don't have to answer that because I was starting to catch yeah. this feeling of he's like, for now, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe we could be that show where we just like make people cry on our show. Like, yeah. well, you're leaving and you on accident announced yeah. it, and now you're telling yeah. us about it. Uh, Cole Rodolin yeah. signed with DGPM, so oh, there's right. been a trend with DGPM. <clears throat> Matt Oram, That's right? Uh, Drew Gibson, Eric Oakley, 
all these guys, they've been kind of the, all the quick early changes. Uh, I mean, one, it's pretty helpful to have a whole group behind you who can kind of be doing that stuff. That's cool. Uh, instead of, you know, you during the holidays and traveling and stuff, you just got a whole team behind you uh, knocking these contracts out. So I feel like Cole, I, I could see it a couple weeks at most. So a lot of comments are saying that he would fit in at Disc Mania. He's got, and maybe this is wrong, but he's got that like body build of like Eagle, Simon, that Kyle tall, Klein. Skinny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we yeah. need another crush boy. Um, yeah. I'm actually a little surprised, and I shouldn't be, but he was so, so bought in at Prodigy. And we're talking like he's left. Maybe I'm wrong, but this is just what I've observed. Selling all of his discs, saying he's going all in selling stuff and he's always been acquiring so it's a big shift and then to see him kind of elude that he's leaving um but yeah i'm a little surprised because he's got that will shoestrick always been obsessed with that like will that's where he learned his form all that so it's got to be something else big offered to him i think it would also be interesting these young guys being gannon and uh cole and gavin rathbun as well i believe he's still pretty young right um Mm -hmm. You know, we we talk about how it's the archer, not the arrow, but with the young guys, it could just be a lot bigger change. Um, and we saw like Thomas Gilbert, for instance, uh, went to Prodigy this year and didn't really kind of get his form yet. Um, and, you know, maybe that's on him. Maybe it's on just not knowing his disc yet. And it just takes another year. But obviously at the top of like, you know, Paul McBeth, James Conrad, one world's um, right after changing sponsors like that means nothing at that level. They know what they're doing. They've been there long enough. Maybe the young guys who are kind of under 20, when they have to change their complete bag, it just takes maybe a little bit more time to just totally understand and learn. But it'll be interesting to watch. Maybe they come out crushing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know either. But those are great points, actually. I mean, is it take a younger player a little longer to relearn discs because they haven't been playing as long? I would mm-hmm. say with someone like Gannon Burr, and I've been watching him because when I was doing, it's so funny, I'm wearing the kids' disc golf hat tonight. But when I was running Kids Disc Golf, um, by the way, people still look to how to support Kids Disc Golf. You can't, don't send me money. Like, find the local group of junior disc golfers and help them out, support them getting into an event or something. Um, but he was, uh, Gannon Burr was like the first to get to 1,000 at like the youngest age. And, he, and when he mm-hmm. was on our show, I forget how old that was, but it was like 11 or 10 or something. Like, really young that he got 1,000. I think it was 13. I think 13, it was 13. Sure. But he was shooting like 990 rated rounds for like three years before that. But yeah, long story short is he's a really good player and it seems to be somewhat natural with him, but he seems injury prone and I know he's young, but like, that's what it seems like. He's already had quite a few injuries. So yeah. All right. That's Gannon Burr. That was my speculation. Anybody else have any like feelings of any, anybody leaving anywhere else that we're allowed to talk about? (laughs) Uh, DG DGA announced Matt Bell's departure. Okay. So Matt Bell, Matt Bell is coming from where to where do we know? So coming from DGA, where is still massive speculation. Um, I think one of the companies that we haven't been talking about this whole time is a putter only brand called EV seven. Okay. They sponsor players to literally just use their putters. I think this would actually be pretty big for players because same thing. They can go back to throwing an open bag, but specifically use what putters they make. And so then I'm wondering, do you have to use their putters for throwing putters or is it literally just putting putters? You know what I mean? 
Like, do you use the Penrose? Do you have to use that as your thrower no, as well? Or could, I, I you don't know, think so. I, I wouldn't think so I'm, either. Yeah. That like, uh, I'm sure Drew could yeah. use like a Luna or something if he wanted. Exactly. Drew Gibson, yeah, now, so. now that you say that, I feel like he does. I don't know. Anyways. Um, I think or, that's a company that's not, that, but that's a good, have, sorry. A straight, we haven't really talked a straight throwing putter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, he has a Luna probably. Um, <laughs> So I think that's one of the companies that we really, really haven't talked too much about because the only player that they sponsored so far is Drew Gibson. He has his own specialized putter with that company, his own signature putter, I should say. And that's Matt Bell point. is actually a disgustingly good putter. I just actually played with him at Lake Marshall a few weekends ago, and he just makes 50, 60 footers look effortless. It's pretty insane. But I think that's a company that doesn't have another big player yet, and I think Matt would fit into that criteria. I think that was a really interesting uh, opinion you're bringing and the way that you're analyzing where he might go. Just a quick side note, because we're just talking casually. I don't really love the way his putt looks. Like, I don't love the way it looks. But man, mm -hmm. if I was playing against him in a match play, I guarantee I'd be cursing every putt he hit. Like, he yeah. does hit nasty putts. Like, he's that guy. Yeah. But, like, I don't he know that. He has unorthodox form, but it goes he, in. Right. It's like it's like he can do it. Like, he can do it. Like, naturally, yeah. he's just like, I can see where this is going. I'm going to put it in, and I'm going to make it go in. And that, like, drives you nuts when you're playing against it. But, like, he doesn't have your really just clean putts that you see come out of some of these players. Like, just where you're like, mm -hmm. that looks really good. Um it's not that, but I, but I agree though, as far as like making it go in the basket pen, what is it? Penrose again? That's where why EV seven is the company. Penrose is one and of this their was, putters. And this was, um, what's his name? Arthur. He came from prodigy. Phil he started Phil, yeah. Arthur. Yeah. Phil Arthur. He started yeah. it. He started prodigy. Now he's starting up another company. That's what this is, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, he's a marketing guy. Found guys to start throwing his putters and he's paying them whatever he's paying them and they're doing it and mm -hmm. it's it's working. Maybe I should make a putter and pay somebody to throw it. Hmm. Interesting idea. Nick and Matt show putter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick just laughs. But I'm like, how much? Here's a question. <laughs> Nick, how much would I have to pay you to throw like a Matt made putter? First of all, like if it was a lot of money, would the putter even have to be good? <laughs> uh yeah, it would okay. have to be good. It would have to, you know. How much money, though? 500 um, a week. 500 a week, 2000 a month. You throw a paper plate that I make, but it's PDGA legal. For the PDGA legal, it's actually a good disc. I mean, it all depends. <laughs> it's more like, you know, do I, it's it's that long-term relationship of like, if Discraft was to give me $0 and you were to give me $500 a week, now there's something that I have to think about in my head. But at the same time, in three years, if I play well, you know, only the putters are being bought. But if I do well with Discraft, there's potential that so many right. other discs can get bought. And so I have to look longevity wise. And so same thing. Do I sacrifice a year of potentially making no money or do I sell out and go for the first company that wants to pay me money to, it's, you know, this is tough. what players it's are dealing with that. Yeah, exactly. I want to yeah. throw out like, it's just a different idea of thinking uh, with the putter. Like you could have a putter only sponsorship, and people have speculated, oh, maybe a mid-only sponsorship and a driver-only sponsorship. Ooh. But what about splitting it the other way, as in you have an overstable sponsorship, a stable sponsorship, and an understable sponsorship? Like, let's say you love the Zone and the Raptor uh, and uh, the Malta, let's say, 
but then you love your T-Birds and your Thunderbirds, but then you love your, uh, I'm trying to think understable, like a Maverick from DD, and then they have, oh, I'm blanking on super understable drivers. <laughs> I don't know all their names. But, but you see, my point is yes. like, what if, what if that way, like what if a company came out and was like, okay, we're remaking the Zone, Harp, um, whatever. We're making a better version of that that people like. Then we're doing a mid version. We're doing a fairway version in like a, control kind of distance driver version of just stupid overstable stuff uh and they come out and they're just like hey like we're gonna take your overstable slot in your bag and make it our sponsorship i think that'd be interesting i do too in fact i don't think i've ever thought down that road of how sponsorships could go but we're starting to see a lot of more unique not cookie cutter as they have been what is the future Mm -hmm. once the disc golf market is like absolutely massive um, there's going to be 10 other companies who would pay to have one disc in somebody's bag. And that player is going to be like, of course, I'll take money from this company, that company, every company um, to yeah. do that. And that was kind of my question to you, Nick, is like how much money assuming. Yeah, it's you're right. It's a longevity thing. And that was my question about Eric Oakley. Like, mm-hmm. is he right away making it? Or is this his long-term? Like he's thinking something's going to come out of it because yeah, man, I'm just curious. I see people commenting now that if I pay their entry fee, they'll throw my putters. Um, yeah. It seems kind of funny. Like people would do that, but like how much, like how many sponsored athletes could I have? Like, <laughs> like I've got 10 people throwing my discs. Like, I don't know if they are winners, how much would I have to pay? I can't pay Paul McBeth. That's a stupid question. He wouldn't do it. Um, Matty O, oh, he just went somewhere like, eh, eh, okay. For an infinite sponsorship, do you have to throw a disc that comes through infinite or can it be like some new company? <laughs> Cause I'll just drag I Drew. I don't think Drew throw. I don't, so I don't know all of infinite's discs, uh, but I don't, I think their emperor is a very destroyer ish type disc. And I don't feel like I've heard him throwing that. So I'm not I, just I'm in not short, sure. just in short disc golf, disc golf group. Um, Reach out to me. Oh, let's let, hook me up. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a disc yeah. 3D print it. Get it over to Gibson. <laughs> there you go. Just kidding. Um, One last thing. Yeah, go ahead. Just mini marker sponsorships. <laughs> well, because that's something you could legitimately make. Is my point. Well, and Craig, um, I think Myers from Zing Minis. This is not a paid sponsored spot. This is just someone who's helped me out at Kids Disc Golf over the years. Craig got into like injection molding has the whole thing. He's been working on it for years and now he pumps out and he's been doing it for a while. A disc golf pro tour sponsor and everything. He pumps out thousands of mini. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, making a disc is hard and to make it consistent is hard. You got to be very professional with that, but you could 3d print a mini if you wanted to. I mean, Andrew Marweed has a cookie, just (laughs) team up with Oreo or something and can get him one of those. I don't know. Yeah. I think so. One of the tough things about that is people accepting mini sponsorships is that a lot of disc manufacturers make minis as well. And so they don't want you using like if I was to go up to Discraft and say, oh, hey, I want to get sponsored by saying minis. They would say probably not because they make minis as well. So why wouldn't it be part of my contract to use everything and anything Discraft? You know what I mean? Discraft makes bags, right? And who sponsors Paul's bag? Grip, who is in partnership with Discraft. Like it's a Discraft, it's a Discraft bag made by Grip. And so yeah, if if Discraft said, you know what, oh. Zing is the one who makes all of our minis, then that's a completely different story. That's they an interesting have a partnership together to where, you know, it kind of 
flourishes off of each other. But I see Evan's point in the sense that I think yeah, you're yeah, yeah, going yeah. to start seeing more of this because here, for instance, if I just went insanely good disc golf and like sad news, no, I can't say this. Like I, my family says, go on the road and do that. I was going to say like down the morbid way, like <laughs> I have all everything. I'm just free to go play disc golf, become the best player in the world, but I don't accept sponsorships. But I just accept, as Evan said, like one disc sponsorship. Like, well, fine, Innova, I'll throw your destroyer, but it's going to cost you $100 per event or more, $500 per event. Um, mm-hmm. I, maybe Innova wouldn't do that. But if you're like, arguably, if Paul Macbeth, after 10 years, decides to take no sponsorship because he's all set, but he could do those deals. That's my point. It's like somebody that's really good has the bargaining power to do that. Be like, well, how much do you want to pay me to throw that one disc? Like, I'll do that. And then you could just do that for your whole bag. And you're like, I'm making t- five grand per tournament or whatever <laughs> it is. Like, that'd be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Nick, uh, you, you hit up your buddy, but he's in the air. We don't know where he's going, but he launched mm-hmm. a website. And I wanted to talk about it because is this the first yeah. time Paul Macbeth has had paulmacbeth.com actually listed? And I'm sad to say I've never visited it, but. Is this no, the first time? No, I think this is actually the first time. No, I think this is. Wow. I think he's had it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he ever did anything. Or Discraft had it, and they were waiting for something to, you know, go on with it. But so yeah, this he is it. PaulMcBeth.com. Yeah, PaulMcBeth.com. It's actually an insanely well-made website. It's really cool. It's got one of the big videos that he's done. Um, but if you go on the disc section. There are some really, really cool limited edition discs right now. Like there was a Crystal Hades. Uh, me and a couple of my buddies actually just ordered some when we were out on lunch. Um, there was... There's three more Z left, Zeus's. by the way. There were Z-Zeus's. There was <laughs> Five more these left. Really, really, really cool um, three-time USTGC champ stamps where it's him like all pumped up, giving the fist pump after he makes that pump, uh, that putt, which I thought was kind of sick. And then the apparel is really cool. There's also a sick baseball jersey with Macbeth and then the number five, which I'm assuming is for five world championships. This is how branding works. And some are going to call me, you know, a Macbeth, whatever fanboy. And I've been a fan of Macbeth for a while, but before that it was Ricky. Then I got to know Paul and I was like, ah, I still, I've rooted against Paul. Not rooted against. I've picked other people besides Paul. I try to be pretty straightforward, but like, so am I biased here when I say this? This is really funny to say. Does Paul Macbeth have the best logo in disc golf? No. Okay, so Evan, who do you think does? Because I think it's super clean. It's by far and away Brian Earhart, and it's not even close in my opinion. That's a, okay, oh, that's, a, that's a character logo that is really cool. Yeah, but yeah. that's like specifically him too, because Brian Earhart, Bearhart, if people didn't mm-hmm. know. Uh, I think that's well, I feel like, by I feel far like away PM the best. is very Paul Macbeth. No, <laughs> I <laughs> listen, I, here's where I'm going with this. Here, here's how I, I see both sides. Of it, okay. Of so I should like preface this. Like if I put up Brian Earhart's on a hat and Paul Macbeth's like, and you only saw the hats, you only saw the hats. Who's going to win in a disc golf tournament. I feel like I'm picking Paul Macbeth because it reminds me a little bit of Tiger Woods. And it makes yeah, me think yeah. super like, it just seems super think, clean, professional powerhouse. And I think, again, this is how branding works. It might not be that good of a logo, and that's why I can see your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good logo. I think it's clean. I The, the weird thing is I've seen 
multiple logos that are PM that look a little bit like it. Have you seen that banner on one of the buildings in downtown Worcester? I probably, I swear, and I'm probably like Paul I swear it looks like a giant Paul McBeth. It's different. Okay. Um, and I do really like Paul's. I'm not trying to make fun of it. Uh, no, you weren't good. making fun of it. Uh, but re- real quick, I, Bearheart's my number one uh, logo. Number two is Yuli. I think it's super clean. Uh, I think it's cool. Like it, it's kind of like not symmetrical, but kind of feels symmetrical. Um, and I see a ton of Yuli gear. I see more Yuli gear, I think, than Paul Macbeth gear um, around. That is interesting. That uh, I think I they're say, clear one and two. I, I agree to that to a point. I think I see more. I see a lot of Yuli gear now because of how Ledgestone was pumping it out this year. But when it comes to hats and everything like that, I've definitely seen more PM hats than almost anyone. Yeah, I feel there. like Yuli is like a lot of shirts and sweatshirts is what I see. Yeah, like at MVP exactly. Open, I should have tracked that, but I Ooh, felt like I saw most year. Yuli stuff. <laughs> That's a stat. That's yeah. a stat. We have to tra- stat the fans is what we're doing. Yeah, there used to be. Uh, I used to follow stat someone fando. who would. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> they, it was for soccer, though. They worked at Disney World and they would literally just write down how many soccer jerseys they saw and from who. Wow. Uh, and like Orlando has their own soccer team. That'd be the most. Yeah. But then it would be like Barcelona, Real Madrid, you know, and then they see like MLS. And it'd be really interesting to see who they saw the most. Uh, so I can think we, can we should do that MVP. Go open. ahead. No, go so ahead. quickly, just really off topic. I had no idea that I was called Real Madrid. I thought it was just Real Madrid, and then I heard someone say Real today, and then you just said it. So this well, whole time, Spanish. Yeah, and, and that's just <laughs> so me that was being super I, sassy. I, I, I did not I, mean it to be as sassy <laughs> as that sounded. No, no, no. I'm saying like I, I just oh, no, I no, never no. got into soccer. I've never, I never played it. I never cared to watch it, but I always thought it was just Real Madrid. Which yeah. I actually thought was a cool name, but I, I like Real more. I think that's cooler. But I'm just gonna say this really quick: the cleanest logo in disc golf is the one that's in my hand right now. Oh and snap! I wasn't gonna put you on the spot, but I don't know what you're about to I'm do. I'm not going to reveal it because that's gonna come at a different point. But oh, I just put my logo on a hat today and a lightweight sweatshirt, and I'm so insanely pumped for the future. When I can announce everything, I have some really okay. cool ideas on how I want to announce it. Venmo me, everybody, but, um, Venmo me $5. I will send you the picture he sent me earlier. I'll make a little bit of if money. You, <laughs> if you Venmo me $5, I will send you oh, the hat it. itself. Venmo me, Venmo me oh, wait, $2. What, really? No, Venmo me $2, no, everybody. I'll send this, <laughs> uh, fitting. this hat. This hat is actually, once I print out more of them, I'm going to um, just print them out of his hat wall. machine. He just prints them right out of his hat machine. Oh yeah, it's amazing. So, so well, real quick, it, someone said that uh, Jeremy Colling designed yeah. Yuli's logo, which is awesome. That kind of makes sense, I guess. I know uh, he did. Cool. Uh, Jeremy does a lot of graphic design, and I think that's awesome. Logos. So mm-hmm. people are commenting a lot now. Nate Sexton with the putter flip. Uh, obviously, he's a big brand. Nate Sexton himself. So like having something iconic like his putter flip. Um, and then yeah. So this is really <laughs> this is kind of funny. Um. Hold on. The guy drank beer for the first time last show. I'm reading a chat. Someone said the guy drank beer for the first time last show. You could at least reveal the logo, Nick. All right. Um, this soon, is funny. Soon. Soon. So sticks around from Nick and Matt. You'll get to see that logo. So this is really funny. I'm going to try this with like a few players just to see what happens. This was not a planned segment on the Nick and Matt show. 
Okay. So I want to put that out there first of all. So I don't know where this is going, but I punched in the name Paul Uliberry. Actually, I typed in Uliberry in the Googles of the world, Google, <laughs> whatever, search engine. And it can, it came up and it said, people also ask. And I'm like, I didn't ask anything. I just typed in Uliberry. And it goes, people also ask. What do you think the first question is? And Nick's like typing quick. What do you think the first question is that people also ask when they type in Uliberry? <laughs> I don't know why it's so Paul funny. Paul McBeth. No, it, <laughs> that uh. would be good. That's actually a good guess. Um, it is, what nationality is Paul Uliberry? <laughs> interesting that would be a question that people ask can you can you see that at all that you might ask that when you like look at paul uliberry or hear his voice no not off his voice i feel like a little bit a little bit maybe looks wise (laughs) we're all sitting i'd be curious curious what nationality i mean everyone is okay so here's the answer that google gives american (laughs) (laughs) oh that presentation was great Okay. Uh, what else? They ask, how much does Paul Uliberry make? Now that we're going on this, he's getting his own little segment right now. It said, and it's just pulling PDGA. Stat Mando could do this for us. <laughs> they they've they've made it much nicer. It says in 2020 he made nineteen thousand dollars. So he's really making a bunch of money. Um, <laughs> let's see. What bag does Paul Uliberry use? It pulled up a YouTube video. Uh, a Zuka cart. <laughs> um how old is paul uliberry 33 years old um let me just see <laughs> this is funny it starts asking other random questions nick you yeah. ready i'm not gonna go through all of them where is philo brathwaite from where is emerson keith from <laughs> yeah so that's why i figured i was like if, if it's like who is paul uliberry sometimes the second one is who is paul Macbeth. like if it's <laughs> Like close searches or something like that. It goes, who is big germ? All in caps. Who is big germ disc? Question mark. <laughs> what? Well, so big big germ was also the producer for Mac Miller, I'm pretty sure. Or his there was some someone in close connection with Mac Miller. So the name Big Germ was always actually associated in the rap scene. And so I think Coling has said before, he's like, yeah, people will message me asking if I can like help them out in the music industry. And I have to tell them that, no, I'm not that big germ. But he does beatbox. Big germ does beatbox. If you've never heard, there's gotta be YouTube on it. Like he legit beatboxes. All right. This is funny, Nick. What do you think Google says? Who is the highest paid disc golfer? Uh, I would assume they would say Paul now. This is under Google. because I bet you before they would have said Ken Climo. Okay, but they're they might basing, say Ken Climo they're still, basing but... it off of prize one. Total prize one is how they're listing it. Because then when you click on it, yeah. it gives us the top four. Paul Macbeth yeah. is number four. Google puts Calvin Heimberg, Kevin Jones, Chris Dickerson ahead of that. Where is that coming from? Do you see anything there? <sighs> My thought is like Pro Tour finales only and Nathan Queen isn't on there. Well, I guess Paul Macbeth at 32. I don't know how much. Nathan Queen's made besides his 30. It almost feels like that's what it would be. Because Chris Dickerson's won a few of those. I don't know. Interesting. That's odd. Uh, yeah. That's so, weird. Nick, you ready? What does Google say? This is fun. I'm going to try this more often for another segment. We're going to do this. We're probably going to wear them all out, though. Yeah, right. Um, who is the greatest disc golfer of all time? What does Google say? LeBron James. No, I'm just kidding. Because everyone <laughs> talks about LeBron being the GOAT. Um, I... Ken Climo? 
Ding, ding, ding. It goes to okay. Ken Climo. It says he's a professional disc golfer, widely considered to be one of the best players to ever have played yeah. the game. It says one of the best. He has 229 professional wins. Um, and then yeah. PDJ National Tours says Open 14, Master 6, best results in major championships, yada, yada. Hmm. Now, I'm curious because I want to just kind of gauge the chat a little bit on this. Who do you think is the GOAT in disc golf? Oh, for the, boy. For the MPO side. So that I'm just curious of whether you think it's Ken Climo or Paul Macbeth. And I kind of want to hear you guys' answer. All right. We're going to look at that in a second here. We'll come back to it because people are going to answer. We're going to start seeing it pop up. Nick, who does Google say? Hannah, are you out there, by the way? Hannah, listening, calling all Hannah Macbeths. It asked, I think she's doing her podcast right now. Okay. Go listen to her podcast. Shout out to her. But it asked Google, who is Paul Macbeth's wife? What is the answer that Google gives? Oh, uh, that's a tough one. I don't, it's been a while. Um, I'm going to assume Hannah Croak. No, it, it Hannah actually Macbeth. gives Hannah Macbeth. It actually oh, does it say it. Hannah Macbeth yeah. on it? Oh, yeah. nice. Nice, nice. Who I didn't know Garrett, if they would say okay. this is who he married, but. Who is Garrett Gerthy married to? <laughs> what does Google say? <laughs> I don't know. Jessica? It's going to say Jessica Weiss, right? Is there anybody else? I would, I would Jessica so. Weiss. Okay. But that's really weird. It says he's married. Yeah. Well, maybe they eloped and we just haven't seen it. I mean, I, I think this is just how AI works is they just see Jessica Weiss and Garrett Gerthy together a lot and they Yeah. They just <laughs> it based it marriage. off of a Facebook event. It like had an event listed and it oh. had anyways. Um, here we go. Another one. Nick, how does Google answer this? How do you throw a disc golf farther? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I need that answer because I cannot figure out how to throw a disc golf farther. Okay, let's so, see. Anybody know what does Google answer when we say how how do you throw a disc give me golf a YouTube farther? video link? That's what I think. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. So it pulls up a video. It says how to throw the disc farther. Four tips. And I'm just gonna read the little excerpt it pulls out. So try that yourself. Really get in your head that mental idea that your disc is the stone. And you're trying to skip the stone across the water. And hopefully you notice an increase in distance. <laughs> I don't know why that's so freaking funny to me, but it's just a little clip that Google pulled out of the video. Wow. Pretend it's the stone and hopefully that gets you extra distance. Maybe I'll throw 50 feet further in Massachusetts when I come back. All I don't right. know. Nick. I'm just going to be thinking of that. How hard, this is Google's answer now, how hard is it to get an ace in disc golf? <laughs> what are they going to say? They're going to say it's hard. <laughs> They're going to say it's hard. But how hard? How hard? Uh, I don't know. Is it like a scale 1 to 10 or do I say very hard? I don't hard? know. I don't hard know. What rock, are they going to do? How know? are they going to answer this? Yeah, right. how do they answer Let's see. Okay, it gives a stat. It gives a stat from infinite discs. If you only play once a week or less, your chance of an ace are only 21%. That's still 10 times higher than that of ball golf. If you play every day, there's only an 18% chance you won't get an ace. At about 10 to 14 rounds a month is where you'll hit 50-50 chance of getting an ace. Wow. That stat is really interesting, actually. If I played 10 to 14 rounds a month, 50-50 chance that I hit an ace. That's why I'm not hitting aces, because I don't play enough. Yeah, you yeah. gotta start playing more. 
I've wow. hit a stupid but, amount of aces this year, actually. Like I had, I had two tournament aces, which was the first year I've ever had a tournament ace, which I thought was kind of cool. And then I had so many farther. casual rounds. Huh? <laughs> I said, God forbid you can't throw farther. You're complaining about that. Here you are. Oh, dude, I got so many aces. I, I don't have to do with them. It, I mean, yeah, this, I, I honestly, like I lost track. That's, you know, weird as that sounds, but like a lot of courses around here. I mean, some of the aces I had were on really cool holes. Like they were both par three Island holes, which I thought was kind of cool. The first one was I don't know, probably like 240. The second one was probably about the same, just downhill. They're both like slightly downhill. I threw the same putter actually and aced them both with that putter but then i have a couple zone aces i don't have like a big ace though you know i don't yes. have like I've well aced, you have decent I've aces aced, over 300 feet that's good that's yeah, pretty big i have yeah i've aced whole 14 golds at maple hill and so I, i'll never top that one but well yeah that that's one was sick that's yeah Wait, that's that's when they had 14 silver like 14 the shorter one gold no gold at maple Oh, for some reason, I'm thinking pyramids, and I'm like, Nick, yeah. I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, no. That, okay. that would actually, I think, I think that would be kind of a cooler race than 14 gold. gold. Yeah, impossible. The, That's why I was freaking out. I'm like, how did yeah. I not hear Oh, no, no, this? no. I'm saying, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Now. Okay. But um, my first day ever was actually really cool. Matt Matt actually yeah. slightly whipped. I saw you, there. I saw you like running up so happy. You nailed it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to hit some of these questions. We don't have to answer them, but just for the fun of our brains to think about it. What happened to Paige Shue? Uh, what happened to Madison Walker? These are Google questions. What is a Heiser flip? What is a Heiser flip? Do lighter discs fly farther? And this is one I would like to have answered. How far should a beginner throw a disc golf? <laughs> Nick, how is it going to answer? How far? This is judge that. How far does Google say? Not far. Yeah, exactly. Google says 600 feet. <laughs> I don't even know how they're going to answer this. If they put up, if they put up an actual number range, they're going to say like two twenty-five or like one ninety-five. Like it's yeah, in that. It might 200. be an infinite disc kind of thing again. Okay. I, I think two fifty. All right, let's see how Google answers this. Oh, oh, I wasn't that you. We were pretty close. Here's how it goes. This is how it answers. According to the Professional Disc Golf Association, you can expect beginners to throw disc golfs at an average distance of around 175 to 250 feet. This is typically approximately 80% of their ultimate throwing distance, becoming farther as they gain more experience in the sport. Now, that's actually, hold on a second, a beginner that can throw around that range, averaging 175 to 250, that's 80%. Like, so right out of the gate, you're almost throwing 80% of your distance. Mm -hmm. So you don't really have Average that person. much further to go, yeah. really, which makes sense because I can top out, like, let's say I throw 340, and I'm like, man, it's so hard to get to 375. Like, it's only 35 more feet, like a putting circle. But, like, to get that is actually really tough. All right. We all know that. Yeah. What speed driver should I throw, Nick? That's what, no, not me. Like, that's what Google question. Uh, I'm just going to give my Google answer and say, if you are just starting out playing disc golf, you should not throw anything more than a nine speed consistently. Like I think Undert Undertaker is one of the greatest discs that I recommend to people uh, when you first start playing for a driver type disc. I'll also tell people though, because a lot of people ask for lessons after they've already started playing for a little bit and now they just want to learn more about it. 
one of the biggest things when people have like a nuke in the bag, I say, look, a nuke is an absolutely incredible disc. I love it for forehanding. Not everyone can throw a nuke though. Use it as a utility disc. So use it when you have a massive headwind and you need something to just, you know, not completely dump over. Use it when you need to go really, really hard to the left. But don't consistently try to throw that as your max distance disc. Start with lower, slower speeds. So a buzz, I think, is like a speed five. I recommend throwing buzzes and lunas for people. Buzzes, lunas, and zones. I feel I like Nick wrote I, this answer in Google. Dude, probably. Why is that like, kind of similar? It it writes down mid-range driver, and it lists control driver, speed driver, distance driver, and it, it puts in yeah. bold four to five speed, and then it mm-hmm. puts in bold six to eight speed fairway driver. So it's saying exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't uh, want to use up Undertaker's good. I don't want to use up all the Google questions, but I just want to do one more because it's so relatable to what we usually do for judge that disc golfer. How far can the average disc golfer throw? Here we go. This is closest. This is a game, Nick. So you go first. Uh, how far can the average? This is a Google answer. Yeah. This is a new segment. I'm curious, dude. This I'm is curious a new how they. Yeah, I'm curious how they got this answer, but I'll say you know, 350. All right, Evan, you're up. I'm tempted to say 175 to 250. I just want to say less. Yeah. With the beginner throws. Uh, I'll say 300. Let me say 300. I'm going to stick with my 250. And I am going to go on the higher side, probably wrong, but 325. All right. See how it plays out. A seasoned disc golfer with an average power will generally max out. (laughs) Okay. There's this is, oh, this is the nature of the game. It's telling how far they could throw max out around 400 feet. Yes. Yeah, they're see, saying they're saying they'll max out at 400. feet. Yeah. That was a seasoned disc golfer, but with average power or I thought yeah, it was just me yeah, an yeah. average disc golfer, but <laughs> yeah, that, that's how it goes. All right. I'm going to end that segment now because it just keeps Google just keeps populating questions. Some of those are really fun. Those are good. Um, Nick, uh, I've got one more topic. I'm going to let you kind of do what you want after that, of course, with if you've got anything mm-hmm. else. But Disc Golf Pro Tour trading cards. First of all, trading cards. Any of our listeners do trading cards? Do you, have you? Did you ever do trading cards, Nick or Evan? Like sports uh, trading cards? No, I never got into them. Like any kind of sport. Yeah, any. I, I loved baseball cards as a kid. I, have, I still have so many and some cool ones. I've never done anything with them. Uh, but I, I think they're super awesome and a cool collectible. Okay. I did when I was younger, like a kid, I collected baseball cards. I still have them sleeved away somewhere. Some basketball, not really many basketball, but mainly baseball. When Disc Golf Pro Tour trading cards came out and Steve Dodge was doing them, like kind of from scratch himself, I collected them all. I think this came up last year or maybe it's the beginning of this year. I had the full complete set and now I'm just going to go on, not a sob story. But I had the full complete set, and there was a maximum of only 15 complete sets in the world for the disc golf first year of the disc golf pro tour trading cards. I had all the special cards, everything was mint. I know for a fact there weren't 15 sets out there because other people had multiple. So meaning like there was less people that had full sets than 15. Yeah. And I had yeah. somebody reach out to me and be like, hey, I want to buy those off you. And I'm like, nah. They offered me a dollar, like whatever. I was like, no. Mm-hmm. They kept coming back six months later, like, hey, I'd still like to buy those. And I, they put out a number, I think it was like $1,800. And I was like, well, that's a good investment return. My wife was complaining when I bought these things because I probably spent yeah. four or 500 to buy them all because it was at that point, that was a lot. And I came back and I was like, you know what? Like, they are not going to inflate 
this much in the next 10 or 15 years. Like I do not see that happening or 20 years. So I said $2,500 for the set of the first disc golf. He goes, I'll take it $2,500. I made $2,500 off of disc golf collecting cards more than I'd Mm -hmm. ever make off of my whole baseball collection from childhood. Like I felt in my head that it was just kind of like crazy to keep it. Some people would say you're crazy to sell it, but I feel like you were not going to make that much money in 20 more years. I don't think it's going to go up and be like, now it's worth $10,000. I don't think so. I bet you you he could sell it right now for more. No, I think, I think you made a smart idea. How much do you think you could sell that set for man? Like who's buying that? So, I don't know the numbers of it, but Wes Shinovar, okay. okay, Team Underground captain for Discraft. I'm pretty sure he is a pretty avid collector in trading cards. Okay. And he would have a better answer for that. Interesting. But I don't know. The way trading cards, I didn't know how much money was actually involved in trading cards until one of my buddies, John Tompkins, is very involved with trading cards. And he, he like he legitimately makes a living off of it. And I was like, wow. Okay. And like Pokemon card. I mean, okay, take that. Wait, wait, rewind. Po- po- John Tompkins makes a living off of trading cards? Yeah. What? Well, yeah, exactly. Like okay. He, and people do this. People like legitimately make like careers out of it. Some wow. somehow, some way. You buy packs, you hope you get a good one, and you know, kind of go for there. But like Pokemon cards, dude, there there's like a Pokemon card, I think a Charizard or something, they sold for like 180 grand. One card. It's disgusting. So I don't know. When I was a kid, I used to love going to a, a card store. I mean, they had they had all kind of they had baseball cards, they had uh, Pokemon cards. I think they had all kind of sports cards, and like you could buy them individually, or you could buy packs and whatnot. <clears throat> and I just, I, I mean, I loved going there. So you can have a, a shop full of them, just off of baseball cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I, I think you can just sell them in that way. I mean, now it's like a lot of online stores. I know you can, you know, buy singles and stuff. I have a few like baseball autographs, so I was like. Oh, it'd be cool to have, you know, a little card of them next to it and just have it, you know, propped up there. It's a signed ball with their card and you can just go online and you'd be like, it was, it was Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, he actually just retired baseball player uh, and bought his card for like a dollar 50. It was awesome. Uh, but I mean, like those sites exist where you can sell stuff that way. And that's I mean, that's baseball card industry, which is huge. I don't think the disc golf card industry is there uh, yet or maybe ever. Uh, but I think the industry is super cool. Someone in the comments, uh, Daniel, longtime listener, first time chatter. No, I'm kidding. He chats all the time. He says, if you invest that $2,500 in an index fund, it'll be worth more than the cards would be in 20 years waiting. And that's not a bad point. Like I I couldn't get the inflation on the cards way faster, but here's the problem. And I'm not going to lie. I I think it was um, Kent was in here. He's like, dude, don't sell them. You're going to regret it. This was back when I was asking if I should. And then I ended up doing it because I was doing this math in my head. And I'm like, I just feel like the numbers are here. And one day, if I'm holding them to sell them one day, then I might as well sell them now because I feel like the price was good. Yeah. But I also am somebody who values, um, I guess I'll call it memorabilia, if you will. I like having something like if someone's like, dude, you could have a piece of Jersey from whatever world series, Red Sox down, came back to win four in a row. You know what I mean? Like you can have a piece of that, whatever. And like, I have it framed or I can hold it in my hands. Like that's very cool to me. Like as Matt Graham, I love that stuff. So like part of me is missing the fact that I had one of like, let's just say 10 people in the world that had the first ever full collection. Like I do miss that. 
I kept yeah. a lot of like the stock cards. I still have some like the champion cards. So I have some. And that's the thing. Like I can still look at the cards with my sons. I just don't have complete sets. That's, so that's kind of, mm -hmm. that's where the value mm -hmm. really was. I mean, it's kind of like this too. Like, oh yeah, you might not have like a 2015 Sexton Firebird, but you just have a normal Firebird. That's what it is another now. disc that's similar. <laughs> that's right. So yeah. you can still enjoy yeah, it in yeah, the yeah. same way. Just not as. I'll have to show yeah. you some of my disc racks uh before you go he came from marshall street when they were taking him down i grabbed oh, the disc nice. rack. it's yeah. nothing like theirs but i have some discs some firebirds you just made me think of nick <laughs> uh any other any other thoughts before we get ready to wrap up i'm good to keep going but i know it's just no, kind of free flowing I, yeah i know i think we've pretty much we don't want to talk about too many off-season things because you know we're in the off-season not too too much is going on right now so we want to make sure we have stuff going on for next week so i'm good with you know, what we talked about tonight, I actually thought we had a pretty great time. How much is a Paul McBeth McPro AVR when he was with Innova mm -hmm. and it was autographed and sent with a note to somebody saying, like, your friend Paul McBeth? How much is that going to be worth in, like, 10 years? I don't know. Because I have one of those that says happy birthday, Nick. <laughs> See? There you go. Yeah. And Hunter, my son, uh, has two of them yeah. in his room on the wall. Like that, Paul sent them. So, I have I have the murdered out Chris, uh, murdered out Black Luna and Black Fierce that Hannah and Paul got me as a birthday present. I think last year or two years ago. Um, sell I think it, someone sell it. No, sell I think it. I think twenty five hundred. I'm pretty sure someone off. I'm pretty sure someone offered me six or seven hundred bucks for it. No, nope. like in twenty five hundred passing. Huh? Twenty five hundred. I wouldn't or don't sell it. I I, I wouldn't sell it ever. That's no, that I like. I love ten things like thousand dollars, Nick. No, I'm kidding. Right, I, I take no, that. Back. I take it. <laughs> <in the, yeah. laughs> I saw his face. Um, I don't know. There, it's it was like such a thoughtful gift from them. Um, and it's something. It's funny. It's something that'll just sit. It, it's in Massachusetts right now. Like I don't even get to look at them. They're just sitting. Where in Massachusetts, my, Nick? Where? Well, Me and Evan. Get, we could get like, there before well, you get there address. to defend it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm calling your mom right now. Say. Nick yeah, asked exactly. me to get this disc specifically. He said, "Don't let anybody touch it, but me." <laughs> she would, she would be like, "He has hundreds. I don't know which one you're talking about." I would just about. rifle through. Go look them. around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's funny. Hey, no, that one. Yeah. this is a topic. Can we work on next week, possibly? And I don't want to say any names, but getting a topic of conversation for the show around what pros might be doing to train during the off season and like mm -hmm. what does off season training look like compared to during season, if you will, like maintaining, mm -hmm. what's the difference? I'm thinking Seth Muncy in my head. I don't want to like yep. commit him or, or say that we are having him, but like someone like that would be very helpful. Um, make a whole show out of it if we wanted. Um, Nick, you were telling me though, there was something I feel like lined up for next week, but you don't need to spill that. I don't remember what it was. I think I thought we said something, but <laughs> this is the off season, everybody. This is the yeah. off season. Like yeah, yeah. I can remember last year I, I listened to grip lock too. And I hope you listen to Nick and Masho and grip lock. But I remember last year, like the first tournament came around and Hunter was like, whew, like we made it through the off season. Like, here we go. Now we've yeah. got content, you know what I mean? So yeah. We're going to, yeah, yeah. we're going to muscle through this. I'm sure we will take off. I'm just having casual conversation, but so people have some awareness, I'm sure we will take off. Well, between Christmas and Thanksgiving, yeah. because that's the 27th. I have a feeling and I could be wrong. 
I have a feeling we might take off the one after New Year's too, but I could be wrong about that. We're, we'll feel it out as we get closer there. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll figure it out. We'll I'm traveling. I'm traveling this week, so I got the show in. I hit up Hamas. I said I'll be in your neck of the woods. He's like, dude, you're like three hours away, and I'm like, well, maybe I'm over here. He's like, that's like an hour forty five, and I'm like, that might just be out of the range of like feeling like kosher about being on the work time and like driving three yeah. hours. So I was like, ah, we'll do yeah. it another time. But he posted him, a picture of a good buck. Made him halfway somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty sick. He's a, he's a big time hunter. He loves it. Hunting I didn't and know that. I did. Well, I knew yeah. he was a fisher. I mm-hmm. did not know that he hunted, to be honest. I don't know. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. And where he lives yeah. in Wisconsin is like pretty epic for it. Yeah. That's what um, Evan, we did not do statter fiction. Do you have a statter fiction lined up? Yeah, I do, but we can save it for next week, or we can knock it out now, whatever you want to do. What do you want to do, Nick? Quick satter fiction? Let's do a quick satter fiction. Let's do it. <laughs> we, okay. And it, did yeah. anybody notice, let me just put it up real quick, the new camera angle, there's a hat sitting on a mini basket, and the hat is that Mando hat. They get a little placement product. Yeah. Someone, someone did notice that, actually, because they commented. It might have been Ken. It's, a, it's one of our longtime listeners, but someone did comment Saying nice stat Mando hat. Oh, Nick, somebody just called it out for me what next week is. What is next week, Nick? What is next uh, week's show? <laughs> what is next week's You're show? You're going to be in studio, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll be in studio. No big deal. Nick will be in studio, oh, everybody. Yeah, we'll, well, I, th- I, thought you're, I thought you were talking about it like a regular guest. I'm like, we're going to put him in this little nook because Evans replaced him. We're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're gonna give nick hey, the couch we'll give nick not, the couch i'll take the couch yeah and we'll put a camera right on you on the couch you just chill and be yeah. the celebrity host i'll bring some good beer <laughs> and then invite simon and avery and yeah. just be a good time all right here exactly. we go stat or fiction all right evan is up on the screen he's got zero points that's how it's going to play out because he knows the answers or- but I get a point if both of you guys okay. get it wrong. If both of us get it wrong, Evan gets a point. So he can beat us. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. All right. Here we go. What do we got? All right. So a couple weeks ago when we did this last, we talked about uh thousand rated streaks. Uh now I've bumped it up to ten fifty uh rated round rating streaks. So Eagle McMahon is the only player to ever have ten straight, ten fifty or higher rated rounds in a row in elite series and major events. Wow. I want to say that like Paul Macbeth would be up there in contention for that. Um, But not many Ricky. Okay. Ricky could be. So Nick, I'm helping you out here. It's either Ricky, Paul or Eagle. And if they're saying Eagle's the only one, then we would say this is a step. Um, I'm going to say fiction. Nick, what do you got? So if I'm saying stat, that means Eagle is the only person to have 10 in a row. Mm -hmm. 1050 or higher in a row, 10 times. I'm going to say fiction as well. Okay. I feel like 2015, Paul did that. No, 2019, Paul probably so, did that. He got his rating up to like 1061 or 1063. I don't know. I'm fiction. To be clear, this strategy that Nick and I just pulled won't allow Evan to, well, no, it would actually no, allow Evan to get a point. This, this yeah, get That's right. We got to pick opposites yeah. here, not to give him a chance. All right. Yeah. Did, did, we, did you get a point? Uh, no, I did not. This is okay. fiction. Uh, Eagle has the second highest streak ever with nine. He was just barely short, but that means someone else had higher. It was Paul Macbeth. It was not Paul Macbeth in 2015 and it was not Paul Macbeth in 2019. It was Paul Macbeth in 2017. 
he had 11 straight uh, from Memorial round two until Beaver State fling round two. Uh, Man. So Memorial round two was 10 feet or higher. So Paul was the only one you said? Only one to go 10 or more, yes. So wow. uh, three rounds in the Memorial, a couple at Nick High, a couple at GBO, Masters Cup, and one at Beaver State. Uh, Macbeth had eight in a row in 2012 and eight in a row twice in 2019. He actually had 20 out of 22 rounds be 1050 or higher in 2019. That's 20 on 2019 20, was such a disgusting year for him. 20 like it, out it of was, 22 rounds were 1050 or higher in a 22 in a row. Oh, 20 of those. Baby. That's crazy. Matt, do you know how many, do you know how many 1050 rounds I have in general? None. I have one 1052 or I have, something. I have, I have a 1053 rated round this year. And uh, I remember that now. I have, I have one. And Paul at one point had 22. 20 out of 22. 20 out of 20, 20 out of 22. Dude. That's, that's nuts. And then before we move <laughs> I'll, on. I'll, hey, I'll say this. I'm on a thousand rated streak because my second round Ooh. of the tournament that I just played last Saturday, I shot thousand rated. So. I'm on a streak now. Wow. Nice. <laughs> that is a mind blowing stat. And and before we move on, Dave Feldberg was the first to have an eight in a row streak where he had eight in 2006, man, man presented by stat Mando, everybody. This is interesting stuff. All right. Um, moving into our next stat or fiction in the six States making up new England, uh, that's Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. Steve Brinser has owned the most, has earned the most total cash with $39,646. That Steve Brinster has earned the most cash in New England from all events, from all uh, divisions, with $39,646. Clarifier. Did the event have to be played in New England? Or Sorry. Yes. yes. Okay. From That's events just to be in there. New England, That's, not yeah. New England players. Okay. And he's not what's, really a New England player. New York, I was going right? to say, what's funny is Steve's but, not even a New England But he guy. plays a lot in New England. So, yeah. Um, I my immediate re- I have an immediate reaction, but Nick has to go first on this one because I did last. The only thing I can think of, no, I would say it's a stat. I'm going to go with that stat. That he did. He's the, er- he's the highest earner. I think he's the highest earner in New England. Okay. Nick puts stat up. I had an immediate reaction feeling no. So sorry, Evan, you can't get a point here. <laughs> That's not on purpose. I had immediate fiction reaction where I'm like, think of all the years. Mc- ah, but yeah, Nick, you might be right. Cause Brinster has been around a long time. Yeah. I was going like to say, Brinster think one T 54, like years on years on years. But that was like what? $500, year, $800. Yeah, but you do that. But you do that seven times. There's, yeah. You know, 3,500 bucks. But I'm thinking Paul Macbeth think of another tournament. winning at MVP or just even cashing at MVP every single year and like green mountain and whatever else. I, I don't know. Um, oh, I'm going to say, point. I'm just going to say fiction. Um, what do you got, Evan? Well, Nick looks like right, he's, he's going to change. He says you got lost all faith. Wait, well, hold on. He's it's now he wants now, you to change. Now, Cause then he's going to get no, a no, no, point. No, 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 no. <laughs> Cause now, now I'm thinking, I'm like, Oh yeah, crap GMC. But at the same time in worlds, even, I'm going to keep mine stat because okay. I feel like <laughs> I, I just want, it's on. like making me want to root for Stevie now. All right. You did. You're rooting for him. All right. The answer is fiction. Unfortunately, oh. uh, he is a third. 
Uh, behind, you would guess it, Ricky and Paul. Uh, Ricky has $48,121 earned. He's done a lot of, of I don't know how I was going to word that. He's, GMC, he's done really well at GMC. Hartfords, um, Nantucket's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Paul McBeth uh, with 42300 Wow. So I was on the Son right track. I was on the right track with the way I was thinking with that. So yeah. I have two. Nick, you would have to get this one to tie it up. Yeah. When I first said stat, I totally forgot about GMC. And then I was like, dang it. But like at the same time, Stevie always goes to GMC. So I'm thinking, oh, wait, if he's consistent at it, maybe and whatever. All right. And Jeff Wachowski says uh, <laughs> New York ran the most uh, NIFA, New England uh, Flying Disc Association events in 2020 fact or fiction although i would say it's stat or fiction i don't know that answer that's really i actually think it's probably stat if we're playing this game but that's that's a side topic yeah. you can look it up maybe bring it back yeah I'm all saying, right i feel like new york actually did have events in 2020 i played two of them stat or fiction number three uh page pierce had the best fpo event rating in 2021 from all events in fpo averaging 1024.33 at u.s women's that is the Wait, best page Pierce had the best time. FPO event rating in 2021 uh, from all events in FPO uh, averaging 1024.33 at us women's. Oh, okay. So that's the stat or fiction like that. She did have that at 1024. Yep. Uh, at us women's. Yeah. Best of the whole year from anyone in FPO. Um, Ooh. All right, Evan, your turn to answer first. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's me. Um, and the only reason I would, I'm saying, I'm going to say that's fiction. This is like just leaning, though, leaning. Like, I just don't know. I would say that I feel like Katrina had a good tournament or two where she performed really high. Uh, Haley King, possibly, but. I'm just feeling like it's one of those. Uh, I'm just saying fiction. Nick, what do you say? Stat. All right. You had to do that to chance at tying it. He doesn't really make me put up a goose egg. That's all right. <laughs> um, well, this is a stat. Oh, it's tied. Uh, 1024.33. Uh, it was seven uh, average uh, points above Owen Scoggins. At the Own. Conejo Disc Golf Pro Am when she had the ten fifty something round, yeah, um, yeah, which she murdered it. Yeah, it was insane. And the next highest after that was ten oh six by Katrina Allen at uh, Jonesboro, I believe. Yeah, Jonesboro. Oh, okay. Jonesboro. Well, I wasn't yep. way off. I knew there was a round. Yeah, but that's there, but... that's a wide gap. Cat had Cat had like a ten forty rated round at Jonesboro though, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh, like, I feel like this year she popped 1042. off a big round. Okay, so yeah, so I, I see I saw where you're going with that map, but I was like, but she didn't mm. excuse me, she didn't like follow it up with insanely high rated rounds. Like she played great that tournament and insanely well. But yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, we do you have a tiebreaker or is this this is no no, we're no, just tied. I mean, I always have a tiebreaker. Right. Do you want a tiebreaker? Arm, wrestle, tie? arm wrestling. Yeah. Nick has to decide yeah. who wins, Evan or me. All right. Um <laughs> Let me run this, but let's bring it over to the MPO, but pretty much the same question, and we'll leave it open-ended, whoever says it first or whoever's closest. closest. If we give up guessing. Yeah. Uh, name the person and the event who had the best event rating 
uh, in MPO for 2021? If if it's not rapid fire, don't do rapid fire because that won't that would be kind of we. I just start blasting. I just out. Chris yeah, Dickerson GMC. That's his first guess. Are you giving me a chance to tie it again, or would you say he got it first? If if he gets no, it, he, tell me he gets it first. So you cannot say Chris okay, Dickerson so, at GMC, and it wasn't Chris Dickerson. I'm not telling you if it is or not. But if he guessed it first, then he gets it. Okay, so I can't guess it. Uh, that no, is, but that you is, just can't. You just can't guess it. So no yeah, matter what, if I if I'm yes, right, then I win. That's what I'm no saying. So is he right? Be, you have a chance matter. to beat him. Okay. So think about so it. So he's not right. <clears throat> um, highest rated round MPO. Oh, why? Why am I not? Wait, highest rated round is. or highest rated uh, average event rating? Return? Oh, event. Average event. event okay. Rating. Um, Ricky Wysocki. At. Oh, I have to get where it was at. Yeah. It's either Portland or Texas State. Or wait, don't 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 tell us <laughs> if we're wrong, but don't give us the answer, right? Yeah. Uh... yeah. Well, you got time. This is this is still running. I'm pretty sure I know the answer because I looked at it before, but I'm waiting for it to calculate. Uh so oh. if you want to okay. think about it still, you have the time. Ricky at Ledgestone. So technically it'd be Ricky and Calvin at Ledgestone, but one of them technically might have averaged more depending on the day prior. Ah, uh, you know what? I don't want to say that now because Northwoods didn't have incredibly good ratings. No. Eagle at Vegas. I feel like it's Ricky because that's why he's like, where? <laughs> it's Ricky. Um, but this now it's not quite fair because I listed out three tournaments. Now I don't know if it was no to all of them or not. Yeah, all right. Well, we're still waiting on this, but I'll at least uh, explain. The top one was Eagle at Vegas. Uh, so Nick got it on his extra guesses. Uh, Nick wins. I'm Yeah, we can call that the win. If this comes up soon, I'll share who was closer in their first guesses, but it's still running. So, uh, But I think Chris at GMC was pretty high. That might have been like yeah. two or three. I thought it was in the 1070s. Um, Not as actually, average. Actually, really quick. Really quick. Um. Paul and I were talking about this. Were there any 1100 rated rounds this year? No, the Someone highest commented it. Oh, the highest was Ezra at 1099. And what's funny is he was, it was 1101. I yeah, think I know. When we were in Vegas. It was down, over 1100 yeah. and yeah. then it knocked down a point or two. Yeah. Oh, I feel like that'd be frustrating. Last year, I feel like we had that'd be frustrating. 1100 rated rounds galore. But at the same time, no one went out to Memorial, which that's a huge place. For a lot of players, have gotten 1,100 rated rounds at Memorial. So, so the answer still hasn't been said, or it has. No, it, it's still no, loading. Eagle at Vegas. It's still loading. Nick, Nick got Eagle. At, he got the correct number one on his extra guess. So okay. we're giving it to Nick. Good job, Nick. Good job. That brings us everybody to the closeout. Statter fiction. Ooh, it's a little jumpy on the live side. Oh, Evan Kearns is black screen of death. Let's bring it all up. Here we go. So that was presented by Stat Mando. I saw Hat Mando because I yeah. put the hat out. That was pretty funny. funny. And then Fan, what did I say? Stat, Stat Fando. Fando. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. all these little. I, 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 and Stat Rando from a couple Rando, episodes yeah. ago. I, I love yeah. all those. It's hilarious. We should make, okay, I say we. Should have shirt branded like just fun things as yeah, heard yeah. on the Nick and Mash. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah, exactly. I mean, and we were talking about collectibles before Star Fiction. That hat, but just a reminder that Matt does have the first ever printed Statmando hat that I know of. Um, 
So. I, I hope I'm putting it to good use. The reason I'm not wearing it, they be very clear. They're like, well, why doesn't he wear it? He wears kids disc golf. The reason I'm not wearing it is because it's just too small to like wear. And that's why you got rid of it to me. You're like, here, you can have it. And I was like, that's really cool. And then I'm thinking to myself, I'm just going to keep it as a collectible. So there we go. Stat, stat Mando. I'm sure you're going to have more hats available. All right. Well, I'm going to go back to stat or fiction for a second because I finally loaded. I actually, in my head, was thinking of just the disc golf pro tour season. Oh, uh, the best event rating of the year um, was a one rounder. So it's kind of like asterisk next to it. it was Kyle Klein at the Beacon Tire one round challenge. He shot 1089 to win it. But number two was Ricky Wysocki <gasps> at the open at Belton. So that was the third one I was trying to say. I didn't say the open, but I said Portland, Texas State. And then I was thinking that I didn't say it, but that was what I was thinking Belton against Paul when they had the crazy battle. Yeah. And yep. then so for sixth is Dickerson at GMC from all events. Uh, yeah. Any number of rounds. So nice. you guys can gotcha. break up gotcha. the winner however you want. <laughs> no. Oh, I won. Okay. Yeah, Nick won. He needs a win every now and then. It's been a exactly. while. Yeah. I lost in a playoff this last weekend, uh, so I needed I needed a little cheer me up. Yeah. Now you're one for one in playoffs. <sighs> Nick, we just spent um, in Evan. Yeah. No, I'm I'm saying as in stat or fiction was a playoff. There you go. Yeah. Not yep. in disc golf yep. playoffs. Um, oh, disc golf playoffs. I think I'm two and one this year. I, I can look up that for you too if you want. <laughs> All right. Technically, I'd be one. I'd be one and one PDGA wise. I think. I feel like I had a playoff in a non PDGA thing. So, I don't know. I think I'm one and one. I'm a little bit surprised. Ah, no, I'm not. People are laughing right now hearing me say that. I was gonna say I'm a little bit surprised we were able to talk two hours in the off season comfortably, just having a good time about disc golf. Nick, people wonder if I'm a beer drinker now. They're like, "Are you a beer guy?" <laughs> He's about to be next week when I bring up some good sours. <laughs> I, uh, boy? yeah, I'd probably try Shift a sour. One. I'd probably try a sour. So, oh, yeah. and the, an the answer is really no. Like it, I'm still like, I don't know, seltzer, fresca, whatever. Like I, I like, I like sweet drinks, man, but I, I stay away from them usually like energy drinks, all that. I stay away for it for the most part. I drank two a day for years and I was like, that's bad. Evan, did you get that stat? The playoff record? Yeah. Uh, I just got it set up for Nick. Uh, it's running right now. I'll let you know. Okay, it's running right now. I think my playoff record, I think I'm two and two in PDGA. I won one in 2019 against Kyle. I lost one in 2020 against Jeff Cahill. And then I won one in this year against Schwebby. And then I just lost one against Trevor, a three-hole playoff. Um, so I don't know if I had any before that. Once it lands, once the stat, uh, whatever, query happens nick we're gonna close this out so we're just waiting on this stat once it once it uh happens. yeah so i don't have your most recent one but uh, it looks like you were two and one before this weekend boom yes yeah, so now i'm two and two i'm 50 percent. which mm, i'm so mad about because with like <laughs> nine holes left i got to a point where i was down six and then within those nine holes i brought it all the way i think i birdied the last eight out of nine holes to tie it up and then I birdied, we both birdied holes one and two. And then I threw, it's a blind shot. I threw a forehand just about 30 feet too long. And I thought when I actually, when I released my putter, I thought it was dead center. And then it dropped, like I thought it was going to be low dead center. Um, it ended up dropping about two more inches than I thought it would. And so it just hit the front of the basket and he was only putting from like 15 feet. So he banged it. And uh, I was like, dang, 
because I really wanted to end the year just on a high note. I had a great season this year. I'll say that for like my own personal standpoint. I thought I played pretty well this year. I had some great finishes on pro events. I had some or pro tour events. Um, and then locally I did pretty well. But I wanted to end the year on a high note. But now it's just motivation for next year. Don't lose a playoff. At least it go. wasn't the world championships. That's, you know, it was just a C tier <laughs> where I, yeah, it's funny. It was oh, a C tier with oh. 12 people with 12 people. The winner took home $111 and I took home like $78 or something like that. So I missed out on 33 bucks, which, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> but yeah, what a show guys. Nice little off season one. Yeah. Go ahead. Close ready to wrap it up? Yeah. Cool. Everybody, thank you for tuning in tonight live on the Nick and Matt show from the Foundation Podcast Network. We really appreciate you being here. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on the video. I'm looking at the likes right now, and we are at 38. I want to see that number Ooh. get to 70 before everyone logs off tonight. That'd be super appreciated. 200. Yeah. We got to get it up 200. There. It happens exactly. every hey, week. 300, li- 300 likes, and Matt will take a shot of fireball next week with me. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, anyways, thank you everyone for uh, tuning into the show to everyone listening post production. Uh, we really, really appreciate you listening. Thank you to Manscaped. Thank you to the foundation podcast network. We'll see you guys next week. Tell someone you love them and have a very, very happy holidays. If we don't see you peace. Adios everybody. Nick, Evan, you guys are awesome. The Nick and Matt show, a disc golf podcast designed for you. The disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel.